What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, it feels good to be back. First show since coming back from California. It's cold here, guys. It's cold here. Oh, I'm, so I'm cold. Not feeling the cold. Yeah, but I mean, but it's November. It, it's yeah, to be at least kind of. I cold. wanted to ease exactly. into it though. Exactly. There was no easing. Ain't yeah. no easing. <sighs> no, 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 no. It's not supposed to be this cold till January here. Okay, <laughs> right? yeah, that's whatever, how it goes. Where well, I'm supposed to be able to wear shorts <laughs> three outside. Day, this three time. days from now, it'll be eighty. It, yeah. It's in Mississippi. I mean, so uh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we want to start our industry news off with some sad news. Stan the man, oh, man. Stanley, passed away mm. the age of 95. Passed away on Monday. Uh, apparently he made a video a few days before passing away that was thanking all of his fans and telling them how much uh, he appreciates them and all that good stuff. So so sad yeah, i think sometimes you like you know you know what i mean like yeah. people will do that they'll have like a goodbye moment before they pass especially when they're older like that or have been sick for a while or anything like yeah. that i think sometimes you just sort of know and i mean time. The, the, unfortunately the past two years have just been tumultuous as all get out for him yeah. Rough, I mean, with yeah. all the stuff after going on yeah after yeah. his wife passed away it's just been yeah i mean the stories coming out of there is just like crazy yeah. I mean, remember, even at one point, Kevin Smith offered to, like, take him in because yeah. there was so much yeah. controversy going on with him. Yeah. yeah, it was a tough one for me because, I mean, like, for my entire childhood and adult life, like, everything was, like, Stan yeah. Lee and, like, I mean... Yeah. Well, that's why I posted on Facebook was any comic book fan, any moviegoer, or anybody yeah. humanity is going to miss Stan Lee. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, exactly. I mean... We were in the middle of exercising and he was like, oh, I gotta stop. I, I did. Yeah. I literally, it took the wind out of me. I was yeah. like, he was like, oh man, Stan Lee died. And I was like, oh, and it literally stopped. Yeah. You know, I was just like, stop me in my tracks. Cause I mean, think about all of the stuff this man has like contributed to pop culture pop and culture like in what general. Yeah. is, I mean, he, he really literally redefined the comic book genre. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had Superman and, and, and like, uh, several of these other characters and everything, but they were all so grandiose. And so, right. you know, and he was like, hey, you can have superpowers, but be real. But be you know, real. you can, you can be going through relationship problems or you, you know, you have acne or you have, and I think one of the real things that he did was like bring that into all of yeah. you know that genre like let's make these characters real and i mean one of the first things he did was uh make sure that all of his characters were set in real cities mm-hmm. as opposed to dc with you know gotham and metropolis right. and all he's like no spider-man is in new york he's city in new york. Like, you know, he's from Queens. he wanted to like, make it real and then showing you know? like someone growing up like maybe the nerdy guy who, right and he got superpowers mm-hmm. and then trying to like fight with his normal life and with exactly. what's going on and, exactly oh do i hide it or do i put it out there and stuff and I think that's what that's what caught fans so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they could relate to these characters now, and 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 they were going through the same thing they were going through. And, yeah. and so, you know, for him to be able to do that and like sh- and the equality, he had a big thing about equality too. This is yeah. the the thing on uh, X Men. It's is all the parallels. On right, it, is trying to be more equal in an industry that was just all it's all macho man. It's yeah. all um, big guns. I'm gonna go save the day and right. save the uh, yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, there was a great story uh, I saw the other day with Hugh Jackman talking about after he had passed, and he said, "I still remember, you know, my first time at Comic Con, and I'm on the red carpet, and I'm Wolverine, and I'm like, yeah, everybody loves Wolverine, I'm <laughs> like that, and I'm on the carpet, and I notice I'm all by myself, and like nobody's there, and I'm yeah. like, what? And then I look down the end of the carpet, and Stan Lee is there, <laughs> and like there's just thousands of people, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, I okay, that's the first time I realized Stan Lee." you know and and i mean yeah i can't i can't even imagine like and uh, you saw all of the marvel people you know marvel uh universe uh cinematic universe people just you know robert downey jr i owe everything to him yeah exactly i mean it's and then on the flip side all the dc people like hey us too Mm -hmm. you know we all kind of like so well, and yeah. Kevin and I were talking about how we're going to miss his cameos and the movies and stuff, yeah. you know, but I don't think that they're going to not pay tribute to him in the rest of the movie. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, Kevin Feige hinted that Stan likes surprises. Yeah. And he did hint that he's his cameos are not over for a while. Yeah. yeah. So they did confirm he had already filmed his Avengers Infinity War Part 2 cameo. Okay. We know he had already done his cameo for Captain Marvel. Yeah. But Kevin Feige the other day hinted that maybe even beyond that, that they had already kind of worked something. Yeah. I mean, like you said, maybe he kind of knew or didn't know or but he hinted yeah. that his cameos were a long way from being over and to not worry so much. Well, so. and even still, like with Deadpool, they just had like a or maybe it was the Spider Man game. I may be getting it mixed up. But I know that there was one where it was just a portrait of him. Uh, the Hero yeah. Big Hero Six. They did that in the animated yeah. uh, Marvel movie too. It was a portrait yeah. of him. Yeah. So, so I mean, even well, if and, it's uh, not like the same the thing. The after credits always. of Big Hero Six, he actually holds has a full scene. That's true. So yeah, I mean he's gonna be missed. There's no doubt yeah. about oh, it. It, it. It's but his legacy, I think, you know, that's going to carry on long after we're all gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, for that's, sure, that's going to be around forever. So yeah. rest in peace, Stan Excelsior, yeah. Excelsior. sir. Excelsior. And uh, yeah. Excelsior. yeah. All right, let's yeah. bring it back up. Let's a little bring bit. it back up. <laughs> yeah. uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, the long-awaited game. People have been waiting uh, probably around ten years for this. The last one came out. Uh, with the last system of games, like the regular Xbox and the Xbox, uh, or the Xbox 360. It was like Gen and the, 5. I forget yeah, what Gen is yeah. what. But, but yeah. like, it's crazy the amount of games that this edition sold. $725 million worth of copies in just three days. That's more than the Avengers movie made in the box and, office week. Yeah, yeah it blew in its out, first three days. We yeah. out their last hit, which Grand Theft Auto Five, I think was $600 million. It's true. Yeah. just $725 is wild. It's insane, it, man. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But, and then we were talking about it, and, and you know this is a good transition, too, because next week we'll be talking to Lucy Pohl. Yeah. Who, who's... who's the, it's... The realism of these games now, you know, and they're getting big name actors yeah, to be like exactly. in these games. Yeah. They're they're basically like little movies. Now. Exactly. So seven hundred twenty five million. I mean, you know, yeah. that's like the next step. I I really feel like the gaming world is going to become like Ready Player One, I where think you're so. just going to be you just virtual lock reality. In and you're like yeah. in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, getting, I've been I've been waiting for that forever, man. We're getting close. Just, like, I feel like we're getting real VR close. I, I, I think and so, and I mean, you hear all of these entertainment companies and all the studios, Disney, all of them, they're all working on VR. Yeah, that's like their big thing now. Yeah. All the money's being funneled into VR, VR, exactly. VR. JJ Abrams, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. just announced, you know. So yeah, I think you're right. I think we're a lot closer than people think. Where you just 
gear up and go right into the game and like yeah seriously you know yeah who's yeah, where's the full body suit that's what i'm wondering like, right so who's like, working on that one where you can feel the game yeah i mean it's you have full control while you're in the little i mean kind of creeps me out though it reminds me of that bruce willis movie where everyone lives in like a a robot like you you just plug in and like mm, you have like a yeah. right what is that called i forget what it's called now but it's basically like your own your little I for, it's I'm like your robot body is out there in the world for you, and like you live through that, and yeah. like but your actual body is like, and everyone uh, looks like way better. Everyone has like perfect skin, uh, like, nice bodies, and then you see like their real versions that are yeah. in there, like their their vir- their VR chairs and they're all like yeah. crotchety. And, like, well, that's hairs. like Ready Player <laughs> One. They they envision themselves like how they wanted to envision yeah. themselves. Like Home Dude looked like a young John Bon Jovi. Yeah. Like I didn't really, know. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, for real. But uh, I, but. Where are we going with that, though? Because look at the social disconnect already just yeah. with cell phones. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I mean. People just lock themselves in for I weeks mean, and they'll months never, at a time. Oh, is that like, just like, just pick up my cell phone and I'm looking at it? And yeah. 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 Because, I mean. It's getting close. It, yeah. It's get, And then, like, we are already struggling to actually make human contact anymore <laughs> you know like who sits down That's and true. has a conversation anymore yeah. and so now you just like now nah, let's meet in the game yeah what exactly. like what? how okay. about we just meet at the corner like yeah, i mean like, no meet in the game uh, like uh, what it's gonna be doing that crazy. forever though you go and call of duty you like, sign up with your friends see but and then, then you think about like when you feel like Halo. you said full body suit and you're feeling it and you're like yeah. literally in the game yeah. it's well, gonna be and to even elaborate a little bit more on that the new red dead redemption game you have to like shave groom yourself you have to eat you have to wear the right clothes for the right climate yeah like so what's stopping that from you going actually in the game and still having to do that like right. take care of yourself it's in the game getting so real <laughs> really my, my thing is is like i mean because we know several people and actually a, a few of them have been guests on our show that are are doing these games and yeah. voicing these characters in these games yeah. and everything kena ferguson's uh, one Kena of ferguson them. Yeah. yeah and um and so our guest uh, next week is also doing yeah. our Red Redemption. And uh, I wonder, like, it's got to be pretty lucrative. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell me that a game that sold $725 million right. in three yeah. days is not paying these they people got, They got to be well. getting a kickback They got to be getting somewhere. And then yeah. there's any DLC that gets added to the game. So now they have to come back in the studio and do yeah. a new recording. And yeah. now they know they can resign a Devere And can I just exactly. say, you know, because, uh, like, SAG just reworked the voice actor stuff, you know, yeah. and then, like... I just want to go on record and say, if they're not getting paid really well, hey, pay up. Yeah, seriously. I mean, because I think the reason these games are the way they are now and so successful is because they've become so real and they have these incredible actors playing out the roles and doing all this stuff. I mean, you know. Give yeah, they model they model the character after the actor a lot of they times do. too. Oh, they so. do, yeah. yeah. And uh, well, look at a, a Grand Theft Auto Five. Most of those characters they do look like their voice yeah, actors, exactly. especially like Stephen Og, I think his name. Yeah, Stephen Og. Stephen Og. Yeah. He looks just like Trevor. He yeah. really does. Stephen Og. How crazy, right? Just to throw that out there, our our guest uh, Jeff Cantor. Stephen Ogg is his student. Yeah, he was so yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah, he yeah. was he was an acting student of Jeff Cantor. Yeah, it's like it's all connected. Yeah, <laughs> go back and listen it really to that is. one. Go back and listen to that one. It was a great Hell interview. Yeah. Well, it's a small but, um, world. It's small world syndrome. This it it is. It really is. It and really um, is. but yeah, I mean, way back as far what eight ten years ago, like I'm thinking Red Alert and like all these games yeah. that came out back then. Yeah, like Kevin Spacey and like all yeah. these people were in these games even that exactly. far back. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they look just like them. They 
talk like him. I mean, it's like... Well, crazy. just look at Mark Hamill. He's had several video games, and several times, like, he's even been on uh, some of, like, uh, Sega CGI, yeah. where it was full video, and yeah. he's in there. It's like, how do they uh, afford Michael McDonald? And then, yeah. And... Uh, that's what I'm saying. They, I mean, they got to be getting paid pretty yeah. well, I would think. I don't, I don't, the change I don't know. is crazy. We'll ask, you know, maybe yeah. next week we'll ask Lucy. Hey, exactly. <laughs> is it lucrative? Like, are, 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 you know, how's it going? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Is it paying the bills? That's the biggest uh, question. But more changing happening. Uh, Disney came out. Disney Plus, their streaming service is going to be called Disney Plus. Disney Plus. And it's official. They're starting their own Loki TV series. Yes. So, I mean, this is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, I'm guessing so it's going to go So, is that saying that he survived Infinity War then? See, is yeah, that. But I think it's gonna be like before all that. Ah, you maybe know, prequel. On yeah, yeah. How he became the yeah, god of mischief. Uh, yeah, on Asgard. Like what happens when Thor's gone? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's an interesting take. It yeah. could be, or maybe some about his childhood and like how he, you know, yeah. I know they kind of ta- or showed it and talked about it in some of the movies, but maybe elaborating a little bit more on yeah where he comes from and what his people oh i'd love yeah, to exactly. see all yeah. the times they tries to kill thor all the time they tries to, like to there kill could be one episode yeah, yeah exactly a montage <laughs> just of, all, so all of a sudden attempts. he was a giant snake and he knew i like snakes and all of a sudden he came yeah. off a knife and stabbed well me. and, and oh other God. other characters because loki throughout the comics has had many storylines that yeah. didn't involve thor and stuff where he would manipulate other characters yeah. this is a great storyline where he actually manipulated the hulk oh, shit. and you know got into his head and yeah. made hulk fight like yeah i mean we had nothing to do with Thor. Yeah. So, I mean, and there's a lot of storylines like that where I think they could just have, I mean, he's the God of mischief. Yeah. They could have him like all over the place exactly. messing with all so kinds of, was that before or after he, uh, smashed Loki back and forth? Right. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> that would be before. before? Okay. <laughs> That's why he smashed him back yeah. and forth. Exactly. Oh man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of news going around, especially the news about JJ Abrams looking for like a mega deal and a place to call, home like an actual studio to back him and all of his projects yeah he's Ugh. i yeah. i think he'd be perfect at disney I i'm not so even too. gonna lie I well he's so been too. perfect at disney he's yeah been this, working with disney. this mega That's deal the star he wars wants to do. and uh hulu's castle rock yeah yeah i mean so what what he wants to do now is just take everything under his bad robot umbrella he wants to do film, television, video games, merchandising, VR, music, everything under his bad robot. And he wants to park it at a studio. Yeah. And he wants a whole lot of money to do it. And they would have like exclusive uh, exclusive rights to distributing everything yeah. that he's pumping out. But he, I mean, he's looking for like, I mean, a huge payday. So that'd be Disney or, I hate to say it, Apple. Well, apparently there's several studios that are now hardcore fighting for it. Going after it, But I think, I mean, look, the the track record speaks for itself. I mean, if you're going to pony up the money and have somebody come in and just do their thing with, with autonomy and you just get out of their way and give them money and let them do their thing... Disney has proven time and time again with Lucasfilms, yeah. with Marvel, with Pixar, they can buy you and just give you the money. Exactly. And then but you know who's you also really hands off like that? Netflix. Netflix, Netflix is. Netflix oh, yeah. is really Netflix hands off like that. And they've they've got a lot of money. Yeah. And mm. so and they need a lot more sign on right they, now. They need they, something. If big Netflix name got JJ Abrams, that'd be insane. That would it would be crazy. Yeah. That'd would be, be a crazy. huge win. And there. and I mean, I don't know. Disney's pretty tight with him though. I know. I mean, so like I, that I think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying if Netflix 
got the opportunity, that would be a huge win. And, and like Chris said, you can't rule out Apple. Yeah, can, exactly. Or even as Amazon. As much as I don't want to say that, I yeah. don't want to say Apple. I don't want to see him have exclusive stuff on Apple where I have to go to get the Apple store down. No, but I think Apple's going to expand beyond that, though. Yeah. I mean, I really do think when they when they make their full out, bam, we're going to produce a yeah, bunch of stuff. here's our streaming It's going to go beyond that, so... Yeah. I mean, we we'll see, see, but good luck. I mean, this guy is, I mean, JJ kind of did it, you know, the, the started off with bad robot, had a couple hits, yeah. you know, hung his shingle at a couple of different studios, produced some content for them and has proven himself, I guess, over a period of time, you know, yeah. and, and he's done TV, he's done movies, he's yeah. done. So now he's like, Hey. I want to do it all one yeah, place, one, one place. home, and a whole lot of money. Yeah, I'm just thinking <laughs> now all the great shows I watched with Bad Robot on at home, oh, man. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Bad Robot. I mean, huge, he's done yeah. a lot of stuff. And I wonder how involved he's going to be in the new Alias reboot. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's his show. I mean, you can't say he's not going to be involved. Yeah. And that is that going back to ABC? Mm. Is ABC the one rebooting it? I mean, and then that's Disney. That's Disney yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's he's currently doing the, the, the final Star Wars. Yeah. And then if Alias goes to ABC, it seems like, eh, it's all connected. come to Disney. Yeah. Just come like, Disney. it's all connected. <laughs> you know, we'll see. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of Disney and, yeah. uh, you know. And uh, other self-starters. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel launching his own Kimmel Lot production company. Yes, yeah. Kimmel Lot. Awesome Kimmel Lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, same thing. Again, he's going to develop and produce unscripted and scripted uh, t- uh, projects for digital, for TV, for film, for uh, all different kinds of media. And, and he wants to do it all under one banner and mm-hmm. have control of it. Um, a lot of people, don't, I mean, don't know. He's also already in a company with Adam Carolla. For, um, yeah, you know, and he's going to stay in that because that's currently the uh, the company behind uh, his show, his late night show. So he's going to stay in with that. But moving forward, everything else that he's going to do is going to be under Kimalot and, yeah. and and going with the stuff. Because yeah, so. how many times has he tricked the internet? How many times has he put something <laughs> out there and made yeah. the internet blow up? And then like, ha ha, that was my joke. Yeah, he got yeah. you all. Well, I mean, it just it just goes back to kind of what we were talking about with JJ is that. This is the this is the move now. It's all self-contained. Yeah, Everybody exactly. wants to bring it all into one little thing exactly. and they handle the merchandising, they handle the music, they handle the, you know, mm-hmm. every little aspect of every project that they do yep. instead of having all these different components, you know, yep. that well, are it gives involved you a lot in more it. control. I mean, if right. you have one company trying to handle merchandise and then that company decides to go belly up or not do the order that you wanted, then you can you can always change that up a right. bit. Or you run have into that the where problem. you have more control like Okay, well, we just need to get rid of that manager and right. this right. new perks. And or you charge. run into the problem that Disney has with uh, Marvel with the licensing. Yeah. yeah, you know, like they made the deal with Universal prior to, but now yeah. they're kind of stuck to that. You know, so I, I mean, if you have it all contained into one little, this is all me. I do yeah. everything. It's all you. Yeah, you exactly. you either swim or sink based on all you. So I mean, it's gonna be interesting. I was learning about that a little bit with Star Wars um, back in the day um, when Lucas. Um, renegotiated instead of, instead of a higher director salary he got to can keep all of the rights to the merchandising which was not as big of a deal back in the day yeah, right and which was really smart on his part but then because he was not very well known and because he didn't have his own toy distribution company or, or access to it he had to create another deal with somebody else and like a bunch of toy companies turned him down Mattel mm-hmm. Hasbro oh, wow. they mm-hmm. all turned it down Damn. and then Kennel out of like 
I think it was Ohio or something like that. That sounds right. Um, they actually accepted it, but they got 95% of the profits, mm. which was, I mean, he couldn't really bargain for something better yeah, exactly. and didn't really know to no. bargain for something better at the time because they, they couldn't anticipate how huge right. of a boom it was going to be for the Star Wars toys. But it's really interesting. Uh, but yeah, That's so crazy. if he were able to do it all himself, which he would probably would have done because he seemed interested in that anyway at the time. It probably worked out real different. Yeah. yeah. So, and how yeah, many no companies doubt. kick themselves now? Like you're talking about right. Mattel and all the others. And then Fox themselves is just like, oh, man. Yeah. They made yeah. so much more money. Right. Well, and Netflix, I mean, they're they're the ones kind of like kicking it all off. They're the real first ones who have kind of like brought it all in and said, yeah. we're going to do everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're going to own the music. Exactly. We're going to own every single aspect of our original programming we own. Yeah. And I mean, so now everybody's kind of chasing that model. Hell yeah. But it makes sense. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. You know? Exactly. So. <sighs> Craziness. Craziness. Well, you brought up Star Wars. Yep. We're on Star Wars. Mm. Yep. Uh, remember that Rogue One character? I don't know how to say his name. Uh, <laughs> Cassian Andor. Cassian Thank you, Andor. Because I couldn't even <laughs> yeah. at it. Is uh, getting his own Star Wars story. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's going to be pretty epic. Yep. And that's also going to be on Disney Plus. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. And which, that's what I've been saying the whole time. If they're going to make these prequel movies like Solo or like the Lando yeah. one, freaking put it on the streaming service. Yeah. And people responded really well to Cassian. That's another another thing we were learning about in my yeah. Star Wars class. <laughs> yeah. Is that that was Rogue One was one of the first movies to really, uh, I think, because it was the the only movie that was self contained and not part of another trilogy. Yeah. Um, to really be able to expand in diversity and having a, a female lead that mm-hmm. was really not very much gendered. She, her gender wasn't brought up as much as women usually are. Yeah. And then to have Cassian, um, to have a, a Latino actor and to have him keep his accent that was mm-hmm. a huge thing for yeah. the Latino community. Um, that that were like really amazed that he was allowed to sound Mexican um, mm-hmm. yeah. instead of having to hide it or whatever. So I think that would be a huge boost for them to kind of go back to a character that did really well, that responded really well with audiences and expand on it. Yeah, yeah. he's was a good awesome. actor too. Oh yeah, that, that yeah. whole that was just like oh. This is, I would love to see yeah. a Star Wars well, story. But I mean, it's like you don't have to do full movies on a streaming source. Right. So you can always make these in the short, like yeah, exactly. mini TV miniseries type stuff. But in yeah. The, Limited well, series, or? yeah. Yeah, the good thing about like these these streaming services, though, with the original series, is that it, it's like every like creator that I've heard you know talk about their involvement in these things, they all attack it as a film. Yeah, it's like a thirteen. Uh, you know, episode or thirteen segment film. Yeah, and they said, but the the beauty is, is that you get to stretch it out. You yeah, get to yeah. tell exactly. this story instead of trying to condense it to two hours. You get thirteen hours to tell and to develop. So, so like J Lo said, it's 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 a, a um the a best of both ground. worlds, the best of you know? TV yeah. world, over the best thirteen of the movie episodes. World. You can find out what's working and what isn't. Exactly. And like in a two hour movie, you got to hope it all hits. Or exactly. you know, but over thirteen, after a couple episodes, you can go. Eh, maybe we tweak this character or that character and yeah. kind of like yeah, it, it, it's a great proving ground i think and then you can expand and i mean disney with with marvel's going the other way yeah they're taking ones that they have already been successful on the screen and bringing them to, to the television. television so that they can play more around so i think it works both ways but it's definitely a great idea to introduce things and yeah. like hey are people going to catch on to this will it yeah, be okay agreed. and like so yeah. we'll see how much that expands but yeah. i'm excited 
website. And I, I guess Favreau's uh, Star Wars series is going yeah. on there as well, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they still haven't said a whole lot about that. He's been, he released like a few pictures and stuff. Yeah, but other than yeah. that, no, it's been pretty quiet. Really... Disney's been trying to keep really closed on everything. Yeah. Like yeah. every spoiler, everything. They've been making jokes about like the Avengers 4 project. Yeah. Um, like um, Hulk uh, releasing the information. He didn't. It was no. a joke. Right. Trying yeah. to mess with right. everybody. Yeah. It's a joke. Ha ha. It's I a mean, master plan. Yeah. That's I'm all. a huge Favreau fan, though. I just I I, I love his style of, yeah. of of telling a story and 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 his film work and I just so I'm excited. I, I yeah. think it's you know it's gonna be good. It's yeah. Good. Okay. Here's one I'm not excited about. Though. Some more Ex- people testing waters. Yeah. And shit. Expanding into let's make movies. Yeah. Eh. So the Walking Dead apparently has a Rick is not gone. He's not. Not dead. No, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's okay. So Very he confused. flew off in a helicopter. He's going to be starring in minimum three, maybe more Walking Dead films that wow. are going to expand Rick Grimes' story. Yeah. Um. But didn't he leave Michonne and his Judith did. and everything? He did, and like, and they all think he's dead. What? Yeah. They all think this he's dead. This is why dead. I don't want to watch. I'm so confused. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so they <sighs> saw that he got basically spoilers, everybody, spoilers who hasn't seen it. He basically got impaled. Okay. Yeah. And they all thought he was dying yeah. and that he was basically going to die. So they've been hinting really since season one at this like helicopter, this like secret kind of helicopter thing that's been, if you paid really close attention, was always kind of popping up or whatever. And if you remember the old trash lady, you know, who's yeah, now part of it. their group. Yeah. Right. Apparently her and Rick got on the helicopter and flew off. The fuck? And that's how he left the show. They're going to pick up with films based on Rick Grimes and his continued story and I guess with her and and so all this then the show jumped like, 6 years yeah. ahead so now little Judith is like a, a preteen yeah and she's wearing Carl's hat she's got a little Michonne sword yeah and like Rick Grimes still on the show technically cuz it's Rick Grimes Jr mm-hmm. RJ um who is Michonne and Rick's kid um, oh, what? Yeah, that yeah, yes, like, I did not yes. see that so, happen. Okay, and here's the thing. <laughs> Even all of the fans figured out <sighs> that Michonne was pregnant. Yeah. They were dropping hints left and right that Michonne was pregnant. Mm. You can't tell me Rick didn't get it. Yeah. So Rick is just going to get in a helicopter after all the struggle with, with Carl. Keep yeah. Carl alive. Keep Carl alive. Carl. It's all about the future. Carl. 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 <laughs> you know, and then is Judith mine? Is she not mine? Right. But I'm going to treat her like mine and everything. It's so the then Punishers. you finally find happiness with Michonne. Yeah. You got Judith. You, you can't be ignorant to know that Michonne is pregnant. He's You're just going like, to get on a fucking helicopter and leave. After, sounds, after all that, yeah. you're just going to leave them all. It's like the trash like, lady likes to be naked. No, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was about to say. He's going to get sensual with the right, trash that's lady. That's right. So no, it I sounds just, like that politician who's like the wife got cancer and all of a sudden he went to Thailand. Yeah. yeah it's I just, really I mean, weird. I don't just know. to have like uh, prostitute sex. It's like weird. Apparently, it's not just Rick. Several of them have signed on long-term deals to do movies, yeah. including Carol and Daryl. And uh, apparently, they're working out something with Maggie to do. And they could cross over into each other's movies. Yeah, 
I well, just, I mean, Daryl, like they they put him on lock. They like they, you know, oh, no, they he, signed him long yeah. term. But the part of that long term to keep him on the show was yeah. also for the movies. Mm. Yeah. So and you know there was question whether they were going to be theatrically released or what they were, but apparently they're going to be original films. Yeah. Like a net, Netflix original film, but it's an AMC original film, AMC. and they're going to be doing this with several of the Walking yeah. Dead characters. Yeah. I don't like it. I I saw the TV ratings like they seem steady, but I mean they're still lower than average, but they're they're steady. They haven't dropped crazy since he left. Yeah, so. I don't know, man. They, just, all this shit makes me not want to watch it. You have to wonder when is it considered jumping the shark? Yeah, you know, um, when is it yeah. just going too far? I think when they killed Carl. <laughs> yeah, Carl, Carl, Carl. Honestly, a little piece of my heart died for that show when they killed um, Glenn. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people. That was accurate storyline. Yeah. I know. I Everybody know. knew that was coming. So. I did it. <laughs> and I wasn't ready. But, but they didn't. They didn't go far enough with Carl when he got the eye shot out. You yeah. know, Carl was supposed to be like this epic storyline. It's Jeffrey Dean Morgan has said countless times. It's the only reason he signed on yeah. is because he was a fan of the books and he knew the storyline between Negan and Carl and Rick. Yeah. And how it went down is that basically Carl becomes this like fucking epic badass yeah. and he takes control of everything. And in his world, it's either black or white. There is no, you're either good or you're bad. And this is the way it's going to be. And so there was this mutual respect and admiration between Negan and Carl. And they developed like this relationship to where they're basically running things yeah. together and Rick and, and Negan eventually work together whether it's all kind of a hey are we stabbing each other kind of right. a thing you don't know but they eventually they work together and Carl is like this epic guy and it never played out never you happened. never got to well, see that relationship well you just said there's a Rick Jr. there is but I mean <laughs> come on yeah but fuck that no yeah. there's where there's where they're trying to fix it that's what they're trying to do they're I, trying to do a, a fix. little young though for Negan to be like you know buddy buddy with him I mean <laughs> that's just the start the start of it yeah. done. I mean so I, I, I don't want I was it. really looking forward to that whole storyline I was like so excited and it took so long but then they finally shot Carl's eye out I'm like yeah, here we go yeah, yeah it's man. gonna finally happen no. and we're gonna see that and he started to get a little bit more aggressive and you're thinking yeah they're gonna do it and then <laughs> then he dies then he dies, and then he dies. Then he dies. like and now, like a character that isn't even in the books is like the main number person. one on the call sheet. Yeah, you know Daryl. Yeah, like I, I love Norman Reedus. Yeah, and I love Daryl. Yeah, I, it's a great addition to the show, and I think it's fantastic. But I wanted to see exactly. the other storyline. Exactly, I, just, I wanted to see the other storyline. <sighs> Do not understand. And I think, like you said, they were while they were steady, they are way down. And I think maybe people just tuned in that first week after to, to find see out what it was post like. Rick what yeah. it was. And now that they know, it should be interesting. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Oh goodness! Not a fan though. Not a fan no. of this idea of movies. Yeah, like just something else. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of fans, are not a fan of. Netflix has decided to cancel Orange Is the New Black. It, it's gonna end, end, end <laughs> after season seven. Uh, but Lionsgate is kind of working on a sequel series, so I, yeah, we shall see. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And I mean that's a big show for Netflix to lose. They, it is. That's, it is. Yeah, it that's is. one of their pyramid shows. I and, mean, uh, yeah. So you're losing, you know, uh, Orange but is the like new black fans of Walking Dead, fans of Orange is New Black, is kind of see that a little bit because it had a little teetering off. Yeah. On but you, but you so now 
basically back to back you're losing orange is the new black and, and house, house of cards, cards which yeah. are really the two series that built netflix's yeah. original programming yeah well it's not so, as like they chose to lose house of cards well, yeah, yeah then, they could have continued without kevin spade they chose to end it with the six yeah but even even you said the seven yeah, it season. was not the same yeah I mean, you said it wasn't it good just, it was not very good yeah. i would have ended it after that too <laughs> yeah. hands would, down should have ended it <laughs> and i'll be talking about <laughs> that hands yeah, down but, yeah yeah it should have it was not good yeah it just was not yeah. the same and they they mentioned him countless times in every episode but yeah it just was not the same yeah so, and i you know robin wright god bless her they she did a great job as yeah. claire and but the storyline just wasn't there yeah and, and mm. i just yeah i i think they're gonna try with this uh chilling sub- adventures of sabrina that um, one was really good you like that one i really liked it oh man i, I really did not did. but they are releasing a christmas special so. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait! How does oh, Satan a, celebrate uh, Christmas? I want to know. Like, before, before we go to that, uh, why didn't you like it? I was, I was kind of well. I, okay, I only watched two episodes, so I'm only no, two episodes in. You don't get to in. say you didn't like it if you didn't even uh, but, finish half but of it. I'm not. Uh, why we got to talk about like <laughs> witches and witchcraft and demons and Satan and? Well, I'm just gonna say he I just wants to be a good Christian boy. I just want to be a good Christian I boy. Even, I haven't <laughs> even watched it yet, but I could hear him watching it, and it sounded like just not interesting. And the acting now, granted, I wasn't watching it; I was just listening to yeah. it. But it sounded awful. I mean, I mean, Sabrina sounded like she was straight up just reading from the fucking script. <laughs> I was like, "What is going?" And can we really talk about the real problem? It's fucked up Riverdale. Like I mean, Sabrina it, there's a lot of it. similar stuff that's going on. Yeah, because but, but why did you like it? Let's <laughs> let's hear your side before we go. Wow, they yeah, they yeah, shot yeah. all over it. Now yeah. right. come to you. Now I gotta clean it up. No, I just I thought it was interesting. I thought it was. A, I mean, for because I really liked Sabrina as you know a kid growing up the original show, yeah. and I like it whenever they redo something, but it's very very different. Different. Don't yeah. try to redo it in the same way. Do something different with it, and that's what I thought was interesting is that it was like, you know, I just thought it. it it brought in some more realism mm-hmm. to it. Um, there are people who really believe in that kind of stuff, That's true. Um, which I think is interesting. I don't believe in it, but I think that it's interesting to see the, a, a more realistic take on the occult and that sort of thing. And then I just thought, I don't know, I just thought it was kind of that interesting story of somebody who's caught between good and evil. And and I thought her acting, if maybe you need to see her act. Yeah, maybe because she does. Maybe. Watch um, maybe. Because maybe. she, I mean, she's got, I thought it was pretty realistic. There's a lot of times she has to be very emotional in that movie. And she cries yeah. a whole bunch and it looks pretty real to me. So, okay. Yeah. Well, um, and and I'll, I'll say, I'll admit to it, I'll have guilty pleasure of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. from what yeah. I understand, it's much closer to the to the source material because the this right. little sitcom yeah. was not anywhere like the, close. But wasn't it a comic book or it, whatever? Yeah. 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 yeah, it was. It was one of the Archie comics. But yeah. it, it, it also, I liked that they kind of tied it into the original because to me, that girl looks kind of like um, she does. the original yeah. Sabrina and so do the ants. They're, they're similar um, yeah. and they like even personality and stuff and I don't know. I just thought it was an And that's why it goes right into Riverdale because of Archie Well, but Comics, yeah, Okay, so right, let's talk right. about that a little bit though because I'm a huge fan of Riverdale mm-hmm. and I was really liking the storyline and the way that all was all playing out but there's been talk of the whole Sabrina and Riverdale crossover, even though one's on Netflix and one is not. And so they're setting up that crossover 
by introducing like all the satanic shit into Riverdale. Yeah. yeah. Just like out of nowhere. And it's like, it doesn't make sense with the storyline. Yeah. And it was just kind of like. Maybe I hold kind of a grudge towards it because of that. Well, I can understand that. I can understand yeah. how that would not work for them. Um, and because the only time that Riverdale's mentioned at all in Sabrina is in passing whenever, right. yeah. you know, they're just like, oh, do you, do you girls go to Riverdale? And they're like, no, we go to eat your heart out school. Not really. But, you know, right. they, yeah. they right. basically yeah. were like. It will them. be interesting oh. to see how the crossover happens. Yeah, though. and exactly. if Riverdale reverts, yeah. after the crossover, yeah. like you know, to try to like it goes back. But I'm a huge Berlanti fan, Greg Berlanti, yeah. and I trust him, and that's his little universe there. So yeah. if he's working something, I'm just gonna just let him do go it with it, yeah. and like you know. Yeah. All I have to say is just open your heart up a little bit to Satan. Just let just <laughs> let him touch your heart a little bit, and just apparently see where it goes. Satan not so happy with them though. Oh, I saw know, that. Yeah, the yeah, big lawsuit over yeah. The yeah like fifty statue. million dollars, some shit. Yeah, but so. uh, I reviewed Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Fantastic <laughs> Review, so if you guys want to go listen, and to don't that. count if you only watch two episodes. <sighs> okay, oh. I'll watch more, oh. and I might give a later review. <laughs> but anyway. Since uh, Tavia is scorching my ass with <laughs> some heat, oh, oh, um, nice let's yeah. talk about these California wildfires. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. oh man. Was, was that bad? Yeah. Is that yeah. a bad segue? And no. now, I mean, there's like... Kind of. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. a really bad situation. It is. Yeah. It's really, really yeah. bad. It is a bad Neil Young, Miley Cyrus, Martin Sheen. We saw a tweet. Uh, Martin Sheen and like the Sheen family had to sleep in their uh, yeah. car or whatever. Yeah. And Gerard Butler, like Gerard Butler, picking up his house and yeah. just kind of like just he he was an emotional wreck. So and just, many, just distraught. Like you could just yeah. see the thousand yard stare in his face. Yeah. Of, um, I just lost everything. everything. Yeah, I mean, in it, a flash. It, the Malibu community. I mean, for I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners know is just entrenched with yeah. celebrities. Yeah, and so they're like, you, you know, a lot of them have lost everything and everything. But the one thing that stuck out to me, there's there's a couple of things with the celebrities. And uh, Gerard Butler made a nice statement saying, "Hey, look, I'm just one of thousands who've lost everything, right. and I have means. Yeah. There are some people who have lost everything who will not be able to rebuild. Right, and and I will be able to." rebuild and so i thought it was very you know open of him to say hey look i'm in a position where while this really sucks yeah i can rebuild and some people won't be able to and i understand that and then on to to further that there's been a lot of stories and a lot of reports of all the celebrities who are actually there many of them who have lost everything are more focused on donating the money and doing fundraisers right. for the firefighters and their families and right. stuff going on or rescuing the animals for the people who had animals but don't have the means yeah. to get the animals out and everything. Yeah. So while they've already lost the, all their stuff, they're more focused on yeah. where else they can be of uh, of help to people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you hear all kinds of bad stuff about celebrities all the time, their vanity and how they're only out for themselves and they only, you know, but there are yeah. a collective group that, that, Every time yeah. a tragedy happens, they're there, and like so, it's nice to hear these stories about how they're doing. Yeah, that, you know. Um, well, I mean, we saw that story about uh, James Woods, like trying to help some animals, like literally yeah. himself, physically yeah. trying to get animals yeah. out of there. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's devastating. I mean, you just, I mean, you look at uh, Malibu, and it looks like a film set, like like yeah. a bomb had gone off in in some war. It's a little apocalypse area. You can go yeah. down the street and you see all the burnt out cars, all the news. Yeah, it's, it's just really, really. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, and then you got the the campfire down in the south. It's right. Woolsey and campfire, and now they just said like a third one broke out near San Bernardino. That's kind of like 
mm. right now is kind of small but spreading yeah. and they've got those crazy yeah. Santa Ana winds that are causing all kinds of problems and, and that's I mean, the that's the big thing is the, is the winds are just fueling the fire and pushing it so much harder, yeah, giving it yeah. tons of oxygen and spreading it out to where even firefighters can't do anything. Right, they have to rescue themselves and out of that scenario. It, it, they just like it's so dangerous because you'll get those embers and they'll yeah. they'll just travel and then pop up fires. Yeah, like exactly. I, I, we just read the other day that the, um. Los Angeles Zoo was evacuated because another fire broke out in Griffith Park. I mean, that's they like... Couldn't, uh, um, I think they couldn't get everybody out. I think yeah. the gi- a giraffe and several other animals mm-hmm. were had to be left. Yeah, Goodness and that's gracious. like the third or fourth fire this year in Griffith Park, I think. So that it's Damn. like they just pop up. Yeah. They had to uh, uh, evacuate the observatory a few months back wow. where the fire was coming yeah. up the hill, basically. And they're like... And you have so much less time. Like, I mean, we're, we're familiar with natural disasters and we've been through things like that before, too. You know, and of course... You know, bringing back to to losing everything, we also understand that no matter how much money you have, no matter how much you know stuff you have, there there are things that you lose that you cannot rebuy. Yeah, and exactly. so and so that's so, something that you know anyone who's who's been through something like this, you know, even though we had the opposite element happen to us with water, but we've experienced that too. But you know, at least with hurricanes, you have a little bit of time where you know that they're coming. You know, you kind of have some time to prepare with this kind of stuff. Like you were saying, it could just come up out of yeah, nowhere. You brought and, you know, up a great point, and in even. When it's giant, like it is now, fire's so unpredictable. Right. You know, they can be digging the trenches and trying to control and try to divert it and everything, but all of a sudden it'll jump the interstate and yeah. move and like, exactly. it's so unpredictable that it's almost impossible when it starts to get that large to figure out what it's going to do. So you're basically yeah. like at the mercy of... It's scary. Yeah. yeah. I forget I mean, if it was really... a mayor or governor saying this is not the uh, new normal, this is the new abnormal. Yeah, it's exactly. the outgoing governor. Yeah. yeah Jerry outgoing. Brown. Um and I don't even want to discuss yeah. Trump oh, blaming, goodness. you know, the forestry people and, yeah. and like you, how you, there are people dead, bro. He's there are a, people dead. This is not ass. the time to play politics and no, criticize. No, no, like no. just give them. And he he threatened to withhold the federal money. Are you serious? Yeah, what like come on, man. He basically said the forestry commission in the in the state of California needs to get their shit together or no more federal money. Yeah. Like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Throw money at them. Their entire state is burning. Like and people are dying. Don't like play politics. Just yeah. do what you got to do yeah. at this point. Then you know say whatever you're gonna say. But yeah. I mean, just on the same you know week that he said respect the presidency and the office of the president. Yeah. But really, you gonna throw out shit like that yeah. and then say people should. respect Hey, what's that weird phrase? Uh, you got to earn respect to get. Yeah, respect? I mean, yeah. this guy's got. He's got to show respect for the office yeah. and the and the presidency before well, anybody can show that. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't. You know, if, regardless of what you know, political beliefs or economic beliefs or anything like that, I can disagree with whoever's in office, but I at least want to feel like they care about people. Right. Right. And right. I don't feel like he does. No. And you know, even no. like I said, even if I had total polar opposite ideas about people i felt like at least presidents of the past gave a shit right yeah yeah you know and exactly and i mean there's how do you even begin to play politics in a situation like that yeah like like you said it should just be human compassion yeah people are dying people are losing everything they own and you're gonna use it as an opportunity to play a political gain or attack politically someone i mean that's just insane and then like you said you can tell he doesn't Okay, just my opinion. I'm I'm not going to try to defame or slander or libel anybody, but in my opinion, you can tell he doesn't care because he makes a tweet like that and then clearly people around him were like, "Oh shit, you can't, you know." Yeah. Cuz then he fouled it up with 
oh, our hearts go out yeah. to the firefighters and everybody. But that's not what you said first. Yeah. What you said first is how you really feel. Exactly. Then when you got the oh shit meter, then you put out the statement supposedly compassionate exactly. about the people. Like The better way to do it is more of let's right now help everybody out. Right. Then later on, go down the line and start having an audit of the Forestry Commission. Mm-hmm. You start as a president going and maybe going and sending an investigating team to find out why the failure happened and let's try to find fixes. Let's not, like, casting blame doesn't do anything. It's already done. Well, well, it's already you're, too late. You're clearly not educated on what's going on. How can you How can you say that it's somebody's fault when you don't even understand? Yeah. If you don't do an audit of it, then you're outside of the situation. You don't know how things work. You don't know what's going on. So how, how, are, how are you to blame anybody? If yeah, you're exactly. ignorant. Well, of it. and sometimes there's no explanation. It it it's mother nature. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes mother nature's just gonna fuck you up and there's yeah. nothing you there's can do about it. There like, was one that was started by this couple that was driving and they were pulling a trailer and it was a legal trailer. Like everything right. was fine. It was a freak accident where the wheel popped off, the uh Spark, the thing yeah. sparked and it, that's what started it. Right. I and mean, that that could happen to anybody. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, and that's just the situations that happen. It's, exactly, just, yeah. it's, it's it's an ignorant statement and you know, you gotta be in our hearts go out to all of them Uh, if you can donate uh we did crazy ant donated um to to some of the relief out there for the for the animals and the firefighters families and stuff and if you can do that because like you said we're more than familiar and and we've gone through and if not for the donations and the help of so many people from the outside when we went through that yeah you know so yeah Yeah, you'd be surprised american red cross was even talking about they still have boots on the ground in florida yeah and now they're sending they're needing more help Help for people in california and and they needing more donations to help people because they do a lot of help especially with a fire situation you don't have to be rich to help you'd be surprised how far five or ten dollars goes when when they're needing supplies and they're needing to do things or whatever so don't feel like if you don't have you know don't oh because i know i can only give five dollars well but that five dollars is going to go a long way for somebody volunteering in the red cross i could see like they could get they could work with a corporation to buy something at the rock bottom exactly just at the bare minimum manufacturing price for stuff to help people in a situation yeah or to help them get into a housing uh, help them deal with the insurance or deal with this and that the other stuff yeah right and then, uh, you know, before we got a couple more things, but kind of playing into what we just talked about, though, we got to kind of bring it up because it kind of plays into what we do as well, because this on our podcast and, and we give opinions and yes. we, we interview people and we and we do things. And it's kind of we have the luxury and the freedom to say whatever we want, you know, so this whole battle going on between Trump and CNN yeah. and just because you didn't like what a reporter said to you or he was aggressive in asking the same question several times, you just yank his press credentials and kick yeah. him out of the White House? Like It was personal. It's, it's just like it became a personal attack right. to him. And he took it way personal. But, more was trying to... But it is a freedom of the press and yeah. freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And you can't just start picking and choosing the exactly. rights that you give to people because you disagree with them or don't like them. And then he threatened to do it to others if yeah. he didn't get along with them. And it's like, listen, man, just because they're not saying something that doesn't make you look good or they're saying something that disagrees with yeah. you, you can't just start ripping rights away from people. Exactly. Right. It's yeah. one like, thing if they actually do, if they have actions that are disrespectful, if they, you know, are throwing stuff or being aggressive or whatever, right. showing their 
ask the people. I mean, who knows? Right. But if they're just talking and just right. you know asking questions and repeatedly asking a question that you don't want to right. answer, that doesn't mean you. Re- and the reason I bring it up and how it involves us is because think about it, if if he starts doing this or this, the government literally would start doing picking and choosing who gets rights and who doesn't, and who can say what, then you're talking about like when you're going to communist nations with state run television and state run radio, we wouldn't even be able to have a podcast. It'd yeah. be because it would have to be yeah. monitored about what we were allowed to say or not say, yeah. and it would all have to go through. And so while a lot of people, you know, don't pay attention to politics or whatever, but if you pay attention to any, it, it will trickle down to, all sorts of things to where you may not be able to do what you're doing if something were to change along those lines. Right. So it's important to be addressed and say it's not okay. Which, if you if you notice, why all the studios are coming out backing CNN and saying, "Yeah, don't do this," because CNN sued um, to get the credentials back because yeah. it is important. You can, I mean, Jesus well, even Christ. this headline I just pop up Twitter right now. It says Fox News says it will support CNN in the legal action against the White House. Right. Absolutely. Wow. And that's because, that's coming from the right side of it. Uh, well, well, I mean, they lean right more, you know, but it comes from that other side. You're right. And while there is liberal media and mainstream conservative media and all this kind of different, they're they're all grouped together when it comes to hey, we have the right exactly, to do this, and we're all going to stand yeah. together and say you can't take that right away from us. And that's the right thing. I mean, so yeah. hopefully this all gets resolved and, you know, yeah, I mean, because if not, that we're playing a dangerous game. Yeah. And we like to talk every week. Exactly. <laughs> so let's say, you know, let's keep this shit out of the where it's supposed oh, to be. Oh, no, no. I'm I enough mean, a hacker. We'll make sure of it. We'll make sure it happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll, it'll be, be put out somewhere. going out. I'll get my old pirate oh, gear my out and everything. Oh, it'll yeah. be put out somewhere. Oh, man. Yeah. But uh, MTV is getting a part of diversity, diversifying. Diversity. <laughs> yeah. 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 Move into live events. They're going to be focused on youth cable situation where they want to perform like a music festival for the youth. A uh, three-day event that runs like December 29th through the 31st. It's pretty epic. I mean, give him back. Yeah. This is like a huge music fest that takes place in Lake Tahoe during Christmas or something. Yeah. And so MTV is like trying to jump on this live event stuff. Yeah. And, uh... Well, I mean, because people aren't watching MTV well, yeah, much we had anymore, this, and they <laughs> went far away from J-Lo what they were. and I were, were like going television. on a rant about this the other day, yeah. about how the MTV just needs to be MTV again, damn it, and yeah, like just seriously. be music television. I was saying like they should just have a streaming platform that's just for what it was meant for back in the day, just strictly music videos or strictly music entertainment, like music well, documentaries or like storytellers. kind of more classic, where it is more of the classic base of music it, videos, ooh. or is that older music videos? I have Wasn't that no MTV 2? Yeah, that was supposed to be MTV2, MTV2 now just re-airs then it just older. Turned into well, and then it was VH1 and like they kept yeah. like changing all of these things but Exactly. And and like I said People we talked about it a little bit videos. but it's I think it's kind of ironic because I think now the reason that they're trying to diversify, which is a smart move because you have to to keep relevant, but I think that what MTV and music videos basically did to the radio genre back in the day, music radio, yeah. back in the day, YouTube has done to them. Because yeah. you go videos to YouTube and Vivo to watch all your music yeah. videos. You don't go to MTV anymore. You go no. to YouTube to watch YouTube, YouTube and uh, Vimeo. So, yeah. 
Exactly. So it's ironic that, you know, a new type of format would come along and boost, you know, basically boot you out of the way of what you were traditionally known for. But I think they MTV made it easy to be booted out of the way because they strayed away from what they were known for. Exactly. Went straight for uh, reality TV, which now they're having to battle Facebook for that because Jersey Shore is now on like the Facebook watch thing. Yeah. And Netflix announced recently they're getting into the reality TV game with an unscripted music series. So yeah, okay. uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Pia Toscano is one of the people on it from an old American Idol contestant or whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of like basically these kind of uh, people who are trying to make it in the music industry, and it's going to follow along their, you know, their them chasing after trying to get into the industry. Yeah. So um and and get a record deal. So interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And yeah. then we saw the convergence between streaming and you know digital and all that. Um, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve just announced a, a long term deal with YouTube. Yeah. So they're going to be doing some streaming yeah, stuff exactly. involved with this. So you it, don't it, need cable anymore. No. Like. And, and, and like we said, like with J.J. Abrams and Jimmy Kimmel and all these, and Netflix and all these people, it's all diverging into one, you know, yeah. little area where it's all self-contained. Yeah, like exactly. everything is going into this whole, and I think you're going to see more of these deals where we're not just this, but we're all of this we're and we're going to do it all. And I mean, it yeah. makes sense. It does make sense. It absolutely makes sense. So, yeah. yeah. It is now time for our special guest segment. This week we have the one and only Scott Takeda, born from Colorado. Man, it's going to be really cool to talk to him about some stuff about his previous things that he's done in the industry and plus how he got into the industry in the first place. He started off on the news side. That's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, news side. His, uh, his story coming up through L.A. And, and now he's bouncing back and forth between Colorado and L.A. Very similar to how we're trying to make our exactly. way up through. So, yeah, it's going to be really cool to, to talk to him. Uh, oh, there he is. Hello. Hi, this is Scott Takeda. First of all, let us just say thank you so much for taking the time to call in and talk to us today. We appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, no worries. Um, so, so okay, we're really excited about this one because, um, you know, doing our research and kind of looking into your background and how where you've come from and how you've been able to work your way up to where you are now, uh, very similar to our own background. So we were kind of excited to talk about that. Started off uh, in news, uh, local news. We did the same thing. Uh, we actually met at a news station, kind of along the same lines. You know, got together, started talking, formed a production company, and kind of, kind of followed that route. So we were really excited to talk to you about that. Um, was was entertainment and acting? Was that always the goal? Did you know you wanted to do that from early on, or was news like this is what I want to do? Uh, great question. I I think at the heart of things, I'm a, I'm a visual storyteller. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for me, I just enjoy and gravitate toward telling uh, stories with pictures, uh, whether or not I'm in front or behind the camera. Right. So I think that is kind of the through line for my for my life. Um, I was a purist, however, when I started out in news. I mean, I, I thought I was going to help uh, illuminate uh, the, the viewers of wherever I was working uh, to all the uh, crazy underside uh, of, of, of the bad stuff happening. So I, I think I had an initial uh, thought process that I'd be you know, working in investigative uh, journalism and, uh, and making a difference in the world, but um, just, just decided to change my pathway. I see. Okay. And so we got to ask because we, we're sitting here and we're completely unfamiliar. Uh, is it Pocatello, Idaho? Uh, is, is that correct? Yeah, 
It's, it's Pocatello, Idaho. Okay. Pocatello. Pocatello. It's, it's, named, af- it's named after an old Indian chief Ooh. Uh, of the Shoshone Bannock tribe. Okay. Um, and um, at the time, a uh, little trivia question for all those listeners out there, um, it was the uh, smallest television market that had um, the, the four affiliate TV stations, uh, CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox. Oh, oh that, wow. now that is interesting. That's yeah. a good Jeopardy question. Tuck that away. Tuck that yeah, away. Exactly. That's a good one. Love it. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of your awards. I see that you won twice for Photographer of the Year. Yeah, I was I was uh, pretty fortunate. I I uh, won in Idaho, um, you know, Idaho State Photographer of the Year, and then I won uh, through the Ohio News Photographers Association. Oh, nice! Uh, Ohio Photographer of the Year um, was was going for regional and, and national, but uh, at a, at a certain point, I just um, again I I think my interests uh, were elsewhere, and um, I'm also a little smaller in stature. <laughs> And, and back in the days, um, the cameras were much heavier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So my body started breaking down. So <laughs> I, I chose to um, move toward directing where I could still get shots but have someone else carry the gear. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I completely interesting. understand yeah. that. So that, so that. Did that kind of start the transition from uh, you know the news and 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 trying to get behind the camera more production oriented um and we'll talk about that because i've noticed that not just with the acting but you have a lot of directing and producing experience in the film and television side also so just kind of curious as to when you decided to try to make that move like uh, you know from t- from the news oriented goal or career to Hey, wait a minute. Maybe I can get in front of the camera and have a little fun and do a little acting. When did that kind of come about, or what what sparked that that change? Uh, I actually need to go back a little farther for you guys. Sure. Further. Um, the, the the first kind of transition is I, I was always wanting to be a reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I worked as a reporter in Pocatello, Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, KIDK News Three. There you go. Um, <laughs> and um, I looked really, really young. Um, so, um, there was no way for me to advance the career, um, you know, in front of the camera and for the, the listeners out there, you know, the way you advance, you start at a tiny market and you live a very transient lifestyle moving to larger and larger markets. Yep. Um, and, and so the only way for me to advance the career and move to larger markets was to work behind the camera where no one could see how incredibly young and and, and high school like I yeah. um, you know I was I was uh, working in Denver and I, I believe I was 27 at the time and and somebody thought that it was so great that the TV station was allowing high school kids to shoot uh, new segments. Wow, <laughs> that's that's fantastic. So it's like uh, I'm like nine years out of high school, right? Um, at that point, and it's like, oh well, thank you. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I, I think that was the first the, the first transition is to move behind the camera, and then long and short of it, as, as I started climbing the ladder and eventually making to market number four in in, um, in Philadelphia, it's I, I just I think I got disillusioned. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of came in with really high minded ideals. Um, never really was able to trans transition to investigative or, or do any kind of cool documentary kind of visual storytelling. Right. And um, 
just kind of ultimately um, also kind of got tired of climbing the ladder and, and going to larger and larger markets where I just didn't seem like, you know, why am I doing that? So um, I kind of moved around within a TV station and, and found different ways of telling stories. So when I moved to promo, uh, which is producing all the like internal you know, right. commercials for a TV station, I kind of learned how to tell stories in 30 seconds. There you go. In some cases, 15 and 10 seconds. Yep. And so I started learning that craft and then worked in community fairs and then worked in special projects where it's like, oh, cool. Um, you know, I started learning programming, um, how to how to do 30-minute shows, and then ultimately just worked move my way to sales where it's like, okay, so this is, this is how a business works. So long story short, I, I kind of got a, a paid uh, internship at a TV station to learn how to run a production company. Oh, there you wow. go. To, Absolutely. To the business side of things, to learn different, uh, you know, formats to tell stories in from long format to extremely short format. Um, and it was a really great training ground for me to eventually open up my doors and just go, you know what? Let's let's move on because I think at, at the very tail end of it, the the only job that I wanted at a at a TV station was to be the general manager. That's the one that's like okay, I I can I can get really jazzed about that, right? Um, but it required me to kind of climb the ladder again to kind of go to a really small TV station and climb the ladder, and it's like I'm kind of tired of moving. Understood. So I just decided to 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 form my own company. There you go. That's outstanding. Again, yeah, this is really interesting to listen to because much along the same lines, I was always interested in the producing part of it as well. And and I always had in the back of my mind, you know, a producer is responsible for so many different people or so many different aspects of the film. And if you don't have any idea what any of those people do, how could you possibly be in charge of them or hire exactly. them or no? So I, uh, amongst the, very much the same way you did, I, I took it as a, a training ground and a learning ground and, and took every opportunity to learn every aspect that I could in every different part of the station. So it's really interesting to hear someone else say that they followed that same line and, and that it was successful for them as well. Um, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Yeah, and so, okay, so you, so you're young, <laughs> um, and, and look young. Um, is that what kind of you're like? Well, I can maybe do something with this in front of the camera again with the acting. How did the acting come out of that, or did you did you start on the production side with your production company behind the camera and transition into front of the camera? Which one came first? Um, as, as strange as it seems, I have to credit Steven Seagal for the move uh, in front of the camera. Wow! Wow! Uh, okay. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do not know Steven Seagal. Um, no. <laughs> but you know, when I was when I was moving to from Denver to Philadelphia, um, at that particular time, um, Colorado was was a was a pretty decent production market for for feature films. Right. And uh, there was a. Uh, uh, there was a uh, Die Hard Two, I think, was going to be shot here, and then Steven Seagal, when he was still making like the blockbusters, not the right. stuff he's doing now, which right. is kind of the direct-to-video type of stuff. But right. The blockbuster films. He was going to shoot uh, a blockbuster film here in Colorado, and the radio stations at the time were saying, "Hey, open call if you'd like to be an extra." And you know, I was moving in four days, so it's like, wow, that seems like kind of fun. And then, you know, I went out to the East Coast 
and then where I have a lot of family and um, found out that my cousins had worked as extras, uh, you know, as World War II um, Japanese soldiers or as oh. a jogger in, in the line of fire of Fort Clint Eastwood. Right. right. You know, I mean, so, so tiny, small uh, or, you know, the back of your head in, in a war film that no one knows who you are, but it's just still like kind of fun. Absolutely. Right? And that, that always kind of stuck in my mind. And I, I, I did miss telling stories in front of the camera. Um, and so it, it kind of planted a seed in my mind of, well, maybe I can go back in front of the camera somehow, some way. Right. Yeah. And that's eventually kind of how it, it, it kind of just manifested. Uh, you know, when I moved back to Colorado, I formed, you know, the production company and then, you know, it's like, well, okay, maybe I'll take an acting, acting class. And it just kind of went and went and went and went. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, I guess I'm an actor now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've done pretty well, I would say, yes, as an actor. Uh, I've been in some, definitely some stuff that I know our listeners know. Uh, most recently, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Preacher. So, uh, oh, I rec- yeah. yeah, recognized you almost immediately from Preacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man in the High Castle. Yes. Uh, I, again, Which- I... The Americans, huge fan of the Americans. So, um, I'd say you're doing pretty well as an actor. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 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 doing pretty well in all in all of the series, and you've done pretty well in film, Dallas Buyers Club, and 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 several different things. So, the transition back and forth. Do you like going back and forth? Would you, would you ever do um a Clint Eastwood type? I guess I'm asking. Would you ever want to direct yourself in a film or or do a film where you're actually starring and directing or because you you do just looking at your resume you do seem to be able to bounce back and forth uh pretty successfully from behind the camera to in front of the camera um is that an eventual goal maybe uh yes and no I mean last year we had a film that that uh, premiered at the Denver Film Festival and nearly won the top prize so it's like oh, yay but we're not quite there right we ended up losing <laughs> to a film that's probably going to be you know an oscar uh without any joke uh, uh you know it's probably on the short list for academy awards next year so mm-hmm. you know we, we we take the runner-up you know flag with a lot of pride because it's like outside of the one that's going to win the oscar we would won the top prize right but, absolutely um, but yeah, we, we did a, a 15 minute short uh, where I was, uh, you know, both in front of the camera and, and uh, directing it. Um, it. That's hard to do. And, and kind of what, you know, I'm very envious at, at the Ben Afflecks of the world. That's our lovely, lovely dog right there. <laughs> um, you know, is, is they've, they've got studio budgets, so they can just shoot take after take after take and then go back to video village and see what it is and and even even ben affleck was explaining how he shot argo which is he would just shoot himself a lot of different ways right as and then he would he would piece together his performance in the edit bay interesting that's awesome if you can spend a half a day on one scene yeah exactly exactly. time and money yeah Uh, but it's it's a it's a lot more challenging when when you're when you're on more of the indie film budget. Absolutely. So we're we're doing we're doing our, our our thirty minute short right now, which is our last short before our feature. Um, I'm co-directing with my lovely bride, and and I am in front of the camera in very very small amounts. Um, you know, we feel that the story is more important than it is me getting FaceTime. And I know there are some um, actors out there where it's like. 
hey, I'm going to direct myself in my own thing, and that's going to be how I show myself as a lead. And, you know, that, that's, that's very enviable to be able to do that. But I, for us, I think with our current um, film, Remembering Us, that we're shooting, uh, we really want the focus to be on the story and, and not to be on me. So, um, yeah, it's, I, 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 I would direct myself if I had, like, studio feature film. Right. Budgets. That'd be awesome. That would be great. Yeah. Completely understand and much respect because, you know, to hear someone say that the story is more important and, and that you know, you're you're concerned more about what the film is saying and do as opposed to trying to get the FaceTime. Yeah. Much respect for that because, like you said, there's a lot of people out there that aren't like that or not willing to make that type of a sacrifice to get the film made or try to tell their message. And, I mean, just speaking to you just from the get-go, I, you know, we've heard the term storyteller from out, and, and you can tell that you have a passion for telling stories. So, um, and I think that has a lot to do with what you just said about more important for the script than it is for the FaceTime. So much respect for that, really. Well, and thanks. And, and, and that's not to, to take anything away from, from those out there who are directing themselves and, and, you know, able to put themselves as a lead and maybe they're able to just multitask. I just have never really found the capacity for me to be able to multitask because I find the acting space and the directing space to kind of be separate spaces for me. It's still storytelling. Right. But I, for me, it just, it, it splits my head when I'm trying to do both. And, uh, I, I feel like it just sacrifices what we're trying to do. So do you have a preference? Like, I, I guess, um, because you've done producing, directing, acting, uh, do you like the business side of it uh, as much as you as as the creative side to it? Or because I I kind of like the business side of it, and I, I know a lot of people like to choose one or the other. But I like I think I like to think of myself as a creative and enjoy the business side of it. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have one or the other that you prefer? It's it's an interesting question, especially from all of us coming from TV news background, and, right? And for the, the the listeners out there, it's like. In, in television news, they they use different they use the same terminology like producer and director mm-hmm. that they do for the TV film world, right? Uh, but they mean different things. So, yeah. um, you know, in many ways, uh, in t- TV news, producer meant writer. storyteller. Yeah, writer, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, and so it took me a while to get used to the the concept of a producer being the person that basically problem solves and, and is not necessarily involved with a lot of creative direction. Right. Um, you know, I, I work with a, a filmmaking group called BS Filmworks, and we're essentially three you know Emmy award winning storytellers, and so we kind of rotate the directing responsibilities around. Um, so, um, you know, I don't necessarily mind the producing the business side aspect of it because it's ultimately laying the groundwork for our ability to tell a cool story. Right. Um, and I, I think if I was just producing without without understanding or wanting, or uh, right, you know, just to be a, just to be a hired gun and say, okay, well, let's well, let's, let's go get some locations and uh, you know, let's go find some funding. Right. You know, it's 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 less. Um, exciting that way um but if you're you're involved in the project and you are you 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 believe in the story it's, it's a lot easier um so i would say i'm i, I enjoy the business aspect with a major asterisk as in that i i really need to believe in the story that we're telling 
I guess we always try to we always try to, because we do have a lot of listeners that are trying to get into the industry. Um, we get constant emails and everything, and, and so we like to ask our guests always. And we've been really fortunate to have people like yourself and and different guests who have come up in different ways and kind of followed different paths to get to what they're doing yeah. now. So, what advice would you give someone trying to get into the industry, uh, either behind or in front of the camera? What do you find works? What do you find didn't work for you? Um, you, you mentioned you took classes as an actor. Um, we've had a lot of people tell our listeners, you know, that it's important to take classes and learn the craft. Um, but what advice would you have for people trying to get in the, and maybe even what pitfalls would you say to look out for or avoid? I think first and foremost, this is a business that works on the apprenticeship model. So, um, unlike, uh, I'm trying to think engineering per se, where you can, you can get a college degree in this and, and come out with that college degree and have a really fundamental understanding of what it would be like to get an entry level job at an engineering firm. Right. Um, that's, that's not how this business is, is, um, learned. And so if, for, for the listeners out there that happen to be in a, in a, in a market, at a production market, where there is some kind of work happening, like commercials or maybe TV film, if you can, if you can somehow get a get an internship, get an apprenticeship, or something like that, you know, just so you can hang out and just kind of see how it works, mm-hmm. and then eventually try to work your way into some kind of low paid um, job where you you have the, the, the ability to learn under under masters yes you know and it it doesn't really matter if it's if it's editing if it's if it's lighting if it's cinematography or or whatnot you know you 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 have somebody on set who who's the department head who learned the craft for many decades right they learned it by learning it under other masters when they were younger and so you know their job not only is to obviously work the job now as, as the department head uh, but also to hire various different people in their different positions. And you learn by doing it. You learn by doing it and making a lot of mistakes, exactly. sadly, uh, and, 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 and having a lot of uh, constructive criticism. You know, and, and that's, which is probably about 30% encouragement uh, to keep you going and about 70% critique on how to, how to improve. Right, definitely agree. And that's that's how this industry is learned. You you learn by doing it and by observing those who are much more experienced. Um, so that's the that's the thing. It's it's learned by doing it. So if you wanted to be an actor, you have to take acting classes. You know, exactly. there's, there's there's no other way to do that but to to learn under a master, a, a, a coach, and to just constantly put work out there every week in, in a workshop and, and get about seventy percent critique and about 30 percent encouragement Mm -hmm. that's usually about the formula that works absolutely and and would you say the people that that don't make it or the people that that kind of decide this isn't for me would you would you say that those are the people that for whatever reason aren't able to take the 70 30 the 70 percent critique maybe not you because i mean i i feel like it can be a tough a tough gig sometimes and and to have people rip you apart constructively can be a tough thing to handle sometimes you know i don't i 
I don't know if I can make a judgment if that's the reason why people don't make it. Um, I do know that it. it I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that in a more global way. Sure. I really feel like um, it, it, it's some way, shape, or fashion. I think if you follow your heart, you end up going where ultimately you 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 are meant to do all along. Mm-hmm. So, um, like. I mean, I, I did really well on TV news, but at a certain point, it just wasn't a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. So whether or not the, the, the 70-30 split was there or not, it just it just wasn't for me. I do know, like you said, you know, um, it is hard to get critiqued every single day. Right, right. Um, that is that is part of the apprenticeship model. I mean, if you want to be a blacksmith, that's, you know, that's going to be the model. If you want to make stained glass windows... And that's the model you're going to be. That's that's part of the process. So if it is ultimately where where your heart is, what your your desire is, I think you will you will put up with the seventy percent because it's like, gosh, dang it, I should know better than that. All right, all right, I'll fuck, I'll work, I'll work, I'll work, and then you'll get it. I, I actually um, I love that answer because it, you know I think that I, the general tone to that answer is follow your passion and exactly. you, and you'll know where you're supposed to go. Exactly. Um, I I, I love that answer. I I believe in that wholeheartedly. I think if you if you have a passion for what you're doing, you can overcome a lot. And and yeah, yeah I, I love that answer. I thought you answered it perfectly. Thank you. So you split your time, but are are you a Colorado guy? You, it says you split your time between L.A. and Colorado. Do you, uh, do you, is that just for the acting purposes, or it, do you prefer one or the other? I, it sounds like you kind of are, are a Colorado guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm born and raised in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, if if you if you get me at a certain point, I'll even kind of slip into a slight Midwestern accent, <laughs> uh, like I just did. Um, so, um, but you know, depending on the year, I'm spending anywhere from four to five months in LA mm-hmm. between you know being out there for work, um, you know whatever the case may be. So. Um, it, 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 I do spend a lot, I, as I like to tell people, I actually reside on a United jetliner. <laughs> um, I like because that. Because I, 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 it's not unusual for me to be flying every week. I, strange enough, I have not flown for like two weeks. Oh, so wow. It feels a little weird to, feels to a little weird. <laughs> be in my usual, uh, seat, um, 11C. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That is funny. That is pretty funny. So what do you have coming up? Uh, yeah, I know you're working on your short film and you said, that's the last one before you got you're obviously planning a feature so that's awesome um what else do you have coming up in the future that that listeners can look out for and where can they see you and find you uh well uh, uh man in the high castle on amazon uh they can see me in mr mercedes which is a stephen king uh inspired drama Ooh. uh i just am out um on who lives the first yeah now that's i'm awesome. excited about the first i i, I think uh, that's um the creator from uh, House of Cards, correct? Yeah, the, the first um, is um, uh, a Hulu original series. Mm-hmm. It's uh, created by the House of Cards writer, and the, the scripts are just brilliant and lovely. Um, and it's about the essentially, the, it's 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 focuses on the the people behind the first mission to Mars. Oh, that's fantastic! And so it's it is kind of a sci-fi thing, but for those of you who loves sci-fi, it's also a very people-oriented story. So don't think it's all going to be, you know, you know, flying through the space and stuff like that. Right. And for those of you who don't like sci-fi, it's a drama. 
right you know there's 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 tension there's there's uh conflict there's people wanting things and not getting things and all that kind of good jazz but um it's it's a it's one of the things i really like about the series is especially in today's kind of tense world that we live in Mm -hmm. it's it takes place in kind of the the near future and it it has a much more hopeful tone to it that's good Um, yeah which I find to be a nice thing and a little kind of a nice escape from uh, our world of today. <laughs> so that's that's one thing I'm really happy about. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I, I, I'm with you right there. I, I, I like to think of entertainment as an escape from the world that we yes. that we actually live in. So it's good to know that there's some stuff coming that, that you can actually do that with. Um, that's great to hear. That's fantastic. And best of luck with that. I, ho- I hope that it's picked up and, and continues to run for a while and, and that, that we see a lot of you on it. It sounds like a great show. And uh, you, you're just, you sound uh, just fantastic, man. It's been a great interview. Um, I love the way you've come up and the way you approach things. I, I think that we need more people like you in the industry. Um, if, if I'm being honest, I just, I, I like your raw approach. Um, and that first and foremost, you're a storyteller. I, I think, exactly. you know, t- sometimes I feel like we've lost storytellers and that it's all become about the, the, the opening weekend as opposed to yeah, actually telling a story. Yeah. And, um, so it's good to know that there are still filmmakers out there and storytellers out there. Well, thank you. No, and th- thank you. Thank like you. I said, I, I just... One of the best things about who, the people that we talk to is is the realism and, and the rawness of, of their craft and, and how they approach it. And we're always really respectful and appreciative of people that come on and talk the way you have. So um, listen, man, thanks so much for, for really talking to us. I know the listeners are going to thoroughly enjoy that. Like I said, they, they, they enjoy people who just open up and are honest and raw about how the industry works and how they're going about it. So I, I, no doubt it's, they're, they're going to love this interview. Um, and we appreciate you taking the time, man. We know you're a busy fella, and um, hopefully you're getting back on that plane soon. <laughs> um, uh, uh, maybe next week, it seems like. There, uh, well, there, there you go, go then. Um, so, And listen, open invite. Anytime you want to come back and talk about your short film, or any, we'd love to have you back on, man. Definitely. Open invite. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, like I said, have a great day, and uh, we'll be in touch soon, man. Appreciate it. All right, have a good one now. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. What a great guest. Yeah, he was um, awesome. Yeah, clearly a busy guy, so yeah, really appreciative honestly. that he took the time to uh, talk to us today. Yeah. We'll pass along, obviously, everywhere you guys can follow him on social media. Yes, yes. And um, be sure that you guys do that. Watch the first with Sean Penn. Yep. Um, Bo Williamson's fantastic. If you're House of Cards, you know that this guy can write, and so this yeah. is going to be an amazing series. Um, and it looks like Lil' Cam's going to love this, uh, Keiko Ajena. <laughs> yeah gilmore girls yeah, lane there it is uh-huh she's gonna be all over it uh, <laughs> anything that's got anything gilmore girls i'm watching all right now it is time for our guest christina elizabeth smith man you might have seen her in stuff like ncis new orleans Grey's anatomy the young and the restless it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk yeah to it's her. gonna be a lot of fun she's got quite the career i mean started yeah. off as a dancer made mm-hmm. the transition into acting so that's gonna be fun find out how yeah. she did that all right let's go ahead and give her a call let's do it Hello. Hello, is this Christina? Yeah, this is she. Hey, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, doing really well. It's uh Dustin, Logan, and Chris today. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. Good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We really do appreciate you taking time to come talk to us today. Yeah, no problem. 
Awesome. So yeah, uh, just to give you a heads up, it's very conversational. It's uh, more of just a bunch of people sitting around the table having a conversation than it is Q and a just really relaxed and kind of a good time. So, um, and what we like to do first is kind of introduce you to our listeners a little bit by kind of saying how you got in the industry and a little bit about your background and everything, and then just kind of take it from there. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, the first thing that jumped out at me was, uh, dancing. You kind of got your start in the industry in dance and I mean, even won a U.S. national championship. So my question is first, because, uh, how did you decide that maybe, I mean, if so good to win a U.S. national championship, but decided, eh, I want to do acting. How did that come <laughs> about and how did that whole transition go down and what was that like? Well, it's funny. My mom, I started dancing because my mom, I was way too hyperactive and my mom kind of needed to get rid of me a little bit. <laughs> so I, um, well, I that's that kind of what well. introduced me to any sort of performance at a really young age. And I loved it and got really obsessed with it. And I think when you have that much passion for anything, it, you know, you're going to push really far. And I got really far with dance, obviously, because I had a really supportive family and really amazing coaches. And then, uh, like you said, we won nationals and that was amazing, but there was something with dance and being on the stage where there was an essence of like wanting more, wanting to be able to tell a story. Cause I do think that dancing, you are, st you're still a storyteller Absolutely. and that's an amazing aspect of it, but you get to a point, at least I got to a point where I wanted more. I wanted, um, to use my voice as well. I wanted language. And I was also like really in love with books already and, and really falling in love with storytelling um, through language. And so it, it sort of was the next natural step to be like, well, I want to incorporate my voice. And what does that look like? So then I just started it really exploring, you know, my sister was in um, school for theater at the time. So I just stole a bunch of her books and I was like, oh, this seems like it melds the movement of dance and then brings in this other element that, that gives me more. So I just started exploring <laughs> like what she was doing awesome, and it kind nice. of w was an automatic answer for me. And so did you kind of make the transition to stage first before into film and television? Did you find that like you could take the dance into more of a stage or theater work first? I did because that was what was available to me immediately right. because I could go, you know, to a local college and get on stage and start taking courses really easily. So stage was the next, you know, natural progression from dance. And because I will always have a soft spot for being on the stage. So, and that was the books I was reading. I was reading like Uta Hagen, which is a stage-based, you know, she's a stage-based acting teacher. So that was the, the natural progression. And then um, I sort of started working in Nashville a little bit and then got introduced to TV and film and loved the intimacy of it. So I was like, okay, this is where I want to land. Uh, I didn't really have any um, reason why I decided that. It was just something in my heart of like, I like... Um, both the reach that it has, I feel like you can reach a larger audience that way. And, um, I like the intimacy of it. That's a, yeah, that's interesting. And, and so Nashville, uh, just for the fans who don't know, you kind of, that was, that was taking place in Nashville. What was the industry like, uh, for television and film there? I mean, I know music city and I, I would imagine a lot of music videos and, and a lot to do on the music circuit. What was the film and television industry like at that point when you were trying to get into it there? At the time it was, almost non-existent there were really tiny um productions going on through independent film and that was i was introduced to that mostly through people that i met like you said um on music video shoots i ended up doing a 
ton of music videos and that got me on set learning about you know what it's like to be on a, a professional set and uh, I learned like who was working in the film industry in Nashville and what they were doing and got introduced to commercials that way and then people would branch off and make their own short films and independent films and uh, really at the time the Nashville market was nestling like what it is now where they had you know, any of their own shows with CMT or, or, you know, the show Nashville, like none of that existed at the time. So it was a very different industry, but it was enough that, um, I could get that sort of foundation and, and, um, join the union and all of that there before I decided, you know, you hit that ceiling really quickly. Right. And, and that was, I hit a ceiling where I, pretty much couldn't be used anymore for music videos because the record labels knew who I was. And so that was sort of my sign to go out, you know, to a bigger market, whether it be LA or New York. And uh, I always knew that was the goal anyway. See, and I love that. You know, we've had several guests on the show who use almost that same reference. Like when you, you know, when you outgrow the fishbowl, when you've become the Mm -hmm. biggest fish in the pond, you've got to go and, and, and you've got to make that leap. And so, okay. Okay. So you say New York or LA, uh, you chose LA, right? Right. And, and so what, what base, was it more because you felt like you were more headed towards film and television and thought LA would be better than New York or what, what made the decision between LA and New York? I do think it's it was the film and TV poll, and there's sort of there is sort of still that stigma of LA is the apex. So you go to LA and you make it in LA, and and you've made it. Right. So New York is more if I wanted to go the Broadway route, which is still my my goal of all goals is to get on Broadway one day. Um, but I want to do that through having a TV and film reputation, and then I feel like you can walk onto Broadway a lot easier. Absolutely. I just knew I was, you know, wanted to get the experience that I could get out in LA. So I just was always pulled that direction more. Fantastic. Well, first of all, congratulations, because, you know, to, to even attempt to make it in a market that's not thriving in the industry, like you said, and, and to be able to excel the way that you did and then make the leap to L.A., I mean, that that takes a lot right there. I think it really does show your passion for for what you're doing and your ability and skill to, to do it. So congratulations on that right there. Um, Thank you so much. Thank and you. so let me let I going from where you are the biggest fish in the pond or recognizable and 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 you're at a level to where you've reached kind of a pinnacle what was it like transitioning to LA where there's everybody out there is trying to do what you're doing and the competition when you walk in a room is on such a grander level than where you're coming from in Nashville what was that first like when you went out there was it intimidating or were you just like I got this I think it's twofold I think it's the I knew I wanted to be in LA for so long that I was just, you know, I moved into an apartment that was sort of like managed by a slumlord. And so like my, you know, my mom came and saw it and she was super sad about it, but I was so elated to finally land, to finally be in the place I had worked so hard to get to that there was almost like, um, I don't want to say naive because that has such a negative connotation, but there was so much excitement about being there because now it's like, okay, let's work. But then it was also, you know, that, that being acquainted with the ways of the world experience where it was incredibly difficult. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know where to start. I didn't, 
you know, no one wanted to look at me twice. And, um, you know, it's sort of the reason we don't know the future because we know it, we're not going to, you know, dive in fully because it's going to seem like such a struggle. So it was definitely twofold of like this extreme excitement and extreme struggle that kind of married together to, um, the beam that was the beginning of my LA experience and lasted for years and years. I mean, it, it, took forever to get a really good commercial agent and then theatrical agent and start to go out on a regular basis. And that just takes a really long time. But I think what saved me was in, in the in-between, I just want to learn everything I can learn. And that mentality is what was my survival of, of I, once I get in the doors, I'm going to know what I'm doing. And that, and the ability to just want to always be learning is what has always kept me alive. So I was lucky to be introduced to really amazing mentors and teachers and classes and just never stop studying. I, lo- I love that because yeah. we have a lot of listeners for our show that are trying to break in the industry or have just gotten into the industry. And, and, and that was my question. How, how, when you, when you were faced with that struggle and like you said, it takes years and years sometimes, how did you, how did you face that and do that? And I love that. I, I think not enough people, you know, I, I think they turn away before they realize you, you've got to learn, you got to grow, you got to, you can continue to do it and make it, but you got to have some time and some persistence and some passion. And, and it's nice to hear when somebody does it that way and isn't you know i i mean get on a set right learn what you can learn any way you can learn it to get where you want to go i think that's extremely important for people trying to make it in the industry right right and also not put all of your worth because you you constantly run into meeting people and you say they ask what do you do and you're like you're i'm an actor and they're the first question is always well what have you done right and immediately we sink into the feeling of i'm worthless i, I don't have this thing on paper that i can prove that i am this thing that i am an actor and i think so the worth of a your art and your your person has to be separate from your resume. And I think for me, that's always saved me is that I know my self-worth as an artist is so rooted through my training and what I want to give to the world through my art. And, and I've earned that and no amount of someone's reaction to what I've done can take that away. Wow. Much respect that, that, that's a fantastic. Yeah. I have, I have the same understanding. I'm just getting to that point myself is just trying to distance away from that. Like what I can do, mind the sound, not acting, but right. in the same vein, in the same vein. And, and I love the fact mm. you separate your self worth from what your resume said. That I, Wow. Brilliantly said, and I think that's going to go a long way with our listeners to understand that concept because uh, you're so right. I think people can be defeated so easily when someone does approach them and they don't feel like they've lived up to whatever they're supposed to live up to. And yeah. I mean that. Wow, well said. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was that. Definitely, that's, yeah. yeah, definitely. And after- yeah, and that just makes me so sad because I just don't ever want someone to give up because of something external. That, right. That's right. Crap. You know that stuff is just noise that will shut down something that every single individual artist has to give you know yep yeah definitely well after hearing that and knowing how passionate you are about the industry what do you think about social media you hear constantly all the time nowadays about 
how casting directors and people want to see how many followers you had besides your actual talent. What do you think about social media in that sense? I, you know, I went through my own social media struggle of, again, you wrap it back into self-worth of like, if I'm going to go into, you know, I dabbled for a minute in print work and then I decided it wasn't for me. That's just not where I want to put my energy, but I, I don't, you know, I don't denigrate anyone that chooses to do print work, but that's something that they ask you, how many followers do you have? And immediately again, it's that feeling of sinking of like, I can't prove that to you. Um, and so I would have girlfriends and, and guy friends that would be like, go and buy followers, go buy them. And I was like, that, that to me feels like a lie. Right, I right. feel like uh, immediately I'm starting off lying. And it, you know, they talk about the idea of live from the place. So if I were, already the caliber of actor that I want to be, you know, the level of somebody uber known, do I want to be a liar? And that's never how I want to represent my brand, you know? So I don't want to start, I don't want to live from that place. So it's like, okay, if they don't want me because I don't have, you know, a hundred thousand followers, then they're not my people. They're not my tribe, right. you know, nice. but I, I felt, I fell prey to it and I, you know, got swept into it and let my self-worth get wrapped up in it for a while there. I, I think it was like maybe two years ago I fell into it. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to share on my social media to attract more followers. And then I just was like, I'm exhausted. This yeah. is going to, this is pulling away from my own creative time uh, because I also, you know, paint and dance and have my own things. And I was like, why do I care about this thing that's not even really me? Like, if you sit down and you have a drink with me in the evening, that's going to be different than if you're watching me on social media. You can never right. really get the essence of who I am. And right. then I had sort of an epiphany of like, well, how can I show that? How can I show who I am in some way? And so I decided, like cut all social media out except for one thing. So I really only use Instagram. Mm -hmm. And... And then what does that look like? What do I look like? And so that will attract the people that are similar to me. So now on Instagram, I'll share some dance videos because I love my dancing. And I'll share <laughs> some paintings because I love my paintings. And I'll share some stupid stuff about my dogs. And what naturally happened was I'd meet really cool people that were higher up in the industry that I... Um, and I may not have hundreds of thousands of followers, but the ones that I'm getting, I'm seeking out that are really high value and they're seeing that I, you know, it's about a value add. Yes. So I'm trying to add value of like, this is the stuff I'm creating. Follow it if you want to, if not, that's okay. And then again, I wrap back around to if someone only wants me because of my followers, that's, that's that's not my tribe. That's not how I'm going to make it. Right. And, and I'm at peace with that because there's something else in some other way that I'm going to do it. And again, if someone wants to do it that way or is doing it that way, I think that's amazing. It's just not for me because it distracts me too much. I, I like the, the one thing that, that stood out there is like you said, when, if you're at, if you're at a place and you're having a drink, you know, it's totally different from what you see on social media. And that, that is such a valid point. I think 
one of the major downsides to social media and in this era is that people have forgotten how to interact socially face to face. Like, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost you're terrified to go in and actually talk to somebody because you can't be the same way if you were talking to them on, on social media. And I, I, so I love the fact that you bring that up because I, I do think that we've seen that consistently a problem where people just don't know how to interact socially anymore um, with face to face, which is, I, I love that you did that. And I, kudos because i do think that it's the right way to go on social media when you start sharing things that are important to you and things that mean things to you because then like you said you find similar followers that understand who you are so kudos for that that's yeah well thanks sure (laughs) so (laughs) what would you consider your first big break so you're out there you're you're kind of hammering you got out there for a couple years you're learning your craft you're taking classes you're doing things where's the first break come in that's funny to kind of gauge because I think there were different levels of breaks. So uh, there was like my first commercial break, which was, you know, the first time you book like a national commercial, which is, you know, I remember that. That was like a Nissan commercial I booked. So I was like, okay, I can check that box. And then I think, <laughs> I think first TV break was probably um, breaking into soaps like yeah. doing days of our lives and, and young and the restless and then the first thing i was like okay i'm a, I'm a real human person actor was was gray's anatomy because you're getting in and i was with gina davis who's like won an oscar and i'm you right. know it's it's high stakes so that's the first thing i was like okay i really earned this as an artist you know i had to show up in the room and and really tell a story that um required all of you know the culmination of all my my chops coming together. So for me, that was my first thing, but you know, for other people, it's always gauged in a different way. Yeah. So, well, uh, that's it. And so I I guess a question, because like you said, with Grey's Anatomy and stuff, what, what did you find the biggest difference transitioning from soap operas to uh, prime time or an hour long, you know, episodic drama? Like, uh, was there a big difference? Did you find that, that you liked one more than the other or, uh, what kind of a transition was that? It's funny because I think that soaps get such a bad rap and they're disrespected for uh, so many reasons. But I really have such high respect for soaps because the <laughs> speed at which they're flowing through material. Right. You know, um, of course, I prefer regular, you know, well, I don't want to say regular because that's not really accurate. But um <laughs> I prefer things like grades or NCIS that I'm on now because you have more, you have the luxury of time. Right. Whereas soaps, they're going to do two takes if you're lucky and you're done. Yeah. Um, Which I think is amazing for an actor. I think, you know, actors should experience that because that level of stakes of like, you need to get in there, be prepared and get it done because, They are, you know, and the people that are regulars on soaps are, you know, they're shooting 70 pages a day. Right. And the amount of material and the what you're asking your brain to do and absorb, I, I think, is incredible. And so just that muscle, wow. I think, is, is really magic to learn. Like, however you're learning to absorb lines, you know, that's definitely one way to learn it. <laughs> yeah. I bet. So, we, yeah, we recently had uh, Eric Braden on the show yeah. also, and he said the same thing. Just the amount of pages that you rip through in a day is just completely unreal compared to what you would do on another. So, yeah, I, I can only imagine. I can't, I mean, that's got to be just 
but I got I guess the preparation, like you said, it must prepare you really well for when you do go into a show and you have time and you do have multiple takes. And I I mean it must have you completely prepared to go into a situation like that, I would gather. Yeah, because I do feel like there's a middle ground. I don't think that for my the way that I like to work, I don't want to do one take, but I don't want to do fifty seven. So I I like a middle ground, which mm-hmm. you know most you know, TV is going to do TV movies. You're going to have, you know, a decent amount of the day to do one scene. And, and that's great. That's this happy medium. Um, but you're going to find, you know, you know, David Fincher will do, um, I haven't worked with him yet, but he'll do a scene sometimes an inordinate amount of times. And right. it's interesting to see what would come of that. And it's interesting to see what comes out of you when you do a soap. So everything's a learning experience, but, um, I find, you know, for where I'm at right now with my art, I like the, the, the middle ground. Awesome. So let's talk, first of all, congratulations on uh, NCIS New Orleans. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. How's, how's it like working uh, in, in that environment? And what, I mean, that's just, that franchise is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's successful and it, I mean, it's spun off, what, two spinoffs now and um, just, I, I mean, what's it like to work in an environment like that? Yeah, I can imagine. That's a nonstop machine. Right. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is. It's a it's a machine. It is a machine that feels like a family. So, which is just, um, I don't know, it's such an honor to come into something like that. Because you think you're going to come in as a new person and a new character, and there's a lot of pressure uh, being a new character. Because you know you're going to have to earn your respect with the, you know, you want to earn it with the fans and earn it with the family. But right. they immediately make you feel... Um, welcome that you know all the cast and crew and scott's amazing and uh he's just a, he's a incredible human being it's like his energy is incredible and uh and you also think they're going to be a lot more rigid than they are i thought it was going to be like um i always over prepare anyway which i always want to be like that you know you over prepare your script and you want to make sure you're word for word and then you get in there and they're they're a lot more playful they'll let hmm. you have um sort of an improvisational um, attitude with your script, you know, which I never advise in an audition. I'm like, be off book and, and you know, be yeah. pretty uh, married to the script. Right. But once I got on set, they really let me have a lot of liberties with who I knew, like with Ginny, with my character, and um, even with the script, and there were some changes that were made, and... Um, it's just an incredible honor and a really amazing family to come into and uh, just a huge production and a well-oiled machine. I bet. Well, and that, that sounds fantastic. I mean, as a performer, it's got to be, I mean, just a blessing to be able to come in and have some liberty with a character and develop a character and to be to be able to go off book a little bit. So, yeah, that's got to be exciting. Um, do you do you go back and forth? And now have you do you actually shoot some stuff here in New Orleans as well? Or is it all in L.A.? Or how do you go? Oh, no, I go back and forth. So primarily I'm in New Orleans right now. Um, I'm actually about to do another movie here this week. So, but I go back and forth, like I'll be back in LA, um, early December. So I sort of am a gypsy right now, which I think is, um, good for me. Um, so yeah, I'll be back and forth until like the end of pilot season, kind of, kind of reevaluate where I need to root down. But 
it's been fun and I've really respected and appreciated the, the quiet that New Orleans has given me and my art and, and my mind, you know, especially after I, I had over 10 years in LA. So yeah, yeah. this is an amazing thing to me. hear that though. Just getting quiet in New Orleans. I never <laughs> know that city for being quiet. <laughs> you have to be in yeah. LA to understand the quiet of okay. New Orleans, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a different kind of, um, for me, it's it's been extremely quiet, and I think it's probably because I don't have all the distractions and the all the friends and parties and events and all these right. things that you have. And when you have a, like a that much of an ingrained life, you come out yeah. here and you're like, okay, I don't know anybody <laughs> or anything. So uh, I think that's good for the brain every once in a while to just be like, okay, I need to listen to myself for a little bit. Absolutely. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, okay, I want to talk a little bit about Pretext because you produced and wrote and starred in it, correct? 100%, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Wow. That, and uh, it's some definitely an interesting topic, a rape victim who's talking to her rapist. Um, that had to be intense. Where, where does the idea for that come from, first of all? And um, how did that come about? Because like I said, that it's, one, a very timely conversation right now, if I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest. And uh, so whereabouts did that come from, the idea for that? And how did that all come together for you? That came from, well, I have a lot of family in, uh, in, you know, a lot of family that are police and detectives and, and also I, you know, obviously women's issues are very close to my heart. So I'm pretty well acquainted with, um, the investigative process when it comes to rape investigations. And, um, I knew about something called pretext calling and this this whole project came about when I was uh, over a glass of wine with my friend Jeremy in LA and um, I told him about this thing called pretext calling where a victim is um, brought in and asked in front of a detective to call uh, the person that allegedly raped them and they do this to children as well children women men um, and they have them call and the detective will, you know, be listening to the phone call as well and be writing on a notepad things to say. Um, and co- the, the idea is that you're coax, like coaxing the alleged rapist to admit to what they did through, um, almost acting like you enjoyed what happened, but, uh, the tapes are not admissible in court and it usually ends up really re victimizing the victim. Mm. So, um, I explained that this thing exists and, um, the responses that I've gotten every time I've talked about this, this concept is, is kind of horror that why do I not know this exists, this existed and, and why are we doing this to victims? Um, and that was the argument. And then, we went on after having this conversation, I kind of Googled it. The only thing I came up with was official police documents. There was never uh, really any sort of blog started about it. There was never any videos. So it's like, well, let's make something. Let's just make something and um, throw it together and, and just kind of tell this story in any, any way that we can. And so we just sat down and kind of threw it together um, and wrote it and, uh, we did everything within like a two week span, like all the writing and pre-production and then shot it within like a two week span. So it was just something that we wanted to get out there. And that's why we put it up on YouTube right away. It was never about like making money off a pretext. It was just saying, Hey, this thing exists. And, um, we just want people to know that and then question the validity and, um, 
it was also really important to not demonize the detective in this, but say it's the system that's failing people. It's right. not people that that are failing people. Wow. And is that still available on YouTube? Because I think that's an extremely important message and, and topic to get out there. So it'd be great if people could still find that and watch that. Is yeah, it- that, that's still up on YouTube. It'll usually just come up if you just search pretext. And it is very uncomfortable to watch. It's, it's an uncomfortable and harsh. And we used to sort of, you know, the detective that we brought, I mean, the, excuse me, the um, director that we brought in um, is this great Iranian director. And um, he's familiar with, um, obviously, being Iranian, he's familiar with these issues against um, women and victims. So mm-hmm. he had a very interesting emotional perspective that he brought in the editing and, and the directing. So it's very uncomfortable to watch. Um, but we thought it was important to make it uncomfortable. Absolutely. Well, it's a full, yeah, yeah it has to be. Well, okay. So let's kind of transition into that then a little bit with the me too movement and, and the things that are kind of going on in the industry today and the culture and not just in, in our industry, the entertainment industry, but all industries really. Um, but in our specifically, have you seen a change, legitimately seen a change? Has it made things more difficult for you or easier for you? Or has it changed your approach on how you do auditions? Or, uh, I mean, what, what what are you seeing as an actress in this culture and in this transition of change, I guess, that we're seeing right now? That is a, again, I think it's a double-edged sword. I do think that Anytime you, you shine a light, we're, we're going to start to shift. I don't think we're there yet. Um, in a lot of ways, I think in, in the climate that we're in, you know, there's a lot of things that are making me feel like we're moving backwards. Mm-hmm. But um, everything's a pendulum swing. So there's going to be, you know, hopefully we'll settle that pendulum right there in the middle where it needs to be. Um, I personally have been lucky in my, you know, professional career that I've gotten on really professional sets and, and other than some creepy meetings with some fake managers, <laughs> I have, um, not experienced, um, a lot of trauma in, in that world. I do think that, um, I've had some conversations with some friends that have been sort of sad because I think when there's any extreme reactions like this, you're going to have, a pushback and that's some of the men that I've spoken to. They're like, well, now we don't feel like we can do anything or say anything. And I don't think that's the answer either. So it's, it's coming to where people don't feel like they can, um, they want to just like push back or separate even more. Like men want to stay all the way away from women and then they get really awkward on set, which that was one experience I had being on a set. Like the men just, I understand they're in fear and I can't, speak to that because I'm not a man that is on the other side of the Me Too movement. Right. But but I don't think the answer is to then push back so hard that it's almost out of anger, which that's the only thing I have experienced. It's almost like they're mad that um, this has been brought up. So I don't know if that makes any sense at all because no, it's like trying to put – I'm trying to put something that feels – not very tangible into words, but the the backlash has been that I just feel like everybody's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes me kind of sad because with the discomfort, we can't really get to a place where we could tell story truthfully. So 
if we're going to set and everybody's uncomfortable, then what are we going to do when we have a scene that's uncomfortable? So we have to figure out a way to navigate the Me Too movement where people are not being inappropriate, but also where we're not so scared of being inappropriate that we're making people uncomfortable, which is another kind of inappropriate. Yeah, it's just yes. everybody trying to be fearful of like, oh no, if I say this or do this, right. I'm going to be out and I'm not going to have a job or ever do this again. Right, right. Uh, well, right, so there was almost like a, I did have an experience on set where there was like a joke going around and then I um, reiterated the same joke that was going around and I got some backlash. Like, was, well, oh. I didn't say that. I did. I wasn't the one, I was like, whoa, I'm not going to me too you. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is the, there has to be a little bit of checks and balances where it's like, don't yell at me because I'm repeating a joke. Right. It, and it wasn't even an off-color joke. So it's it's almost this fear that's causing an aggression, which is causing a discomfort among like mixed company that I don't feel like that's the answer either. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm coming because again, I I want to be like Gina Davis, who's creating this like institute fighting for women, like that I'm all the way on the spectrum of like fighting for women's rights. But anything that is making people um, that that almost like hostile and uncomfortable, I don't think that's the answer either. Right. So I think I need to get a little more clearer <laughs> with how I feel about it, but it just makes me sad. Anything that, that makes us separate even more. Right. I, 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 I don't know. I think you, I think you did a really good job of explaining how you feel about it and, and taking a, a, a valid look at both sides. I love, I, first, I, I don't think it takes away anything from you standing up for women and being an activist towards women. And, and, and while acknowledging that there might be some good guys out there who now are terrified to be a good guy because it might be misinterpreted. I think in fact, it makes you uh, much respect for you to be able to recognize that and to be able to see both sides because for all the bad guys out there, there are good guys out there who are now scared to death just to be a good guy. Yeah. And and I the fact that you said that and the honesty that you approach that with, I think it makes you even more commendable as a woman who stands up for women who can recognize that in men. So I think it was well said and I respect your honesty and thank you for discussing it with us. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, reflecting that back. Yeah, because you just want to, you know, you want to see all the sides. I think you that's, do. The, that's I, uh, the goal. It is the goal because nothing's going to, like you said, nothing will be accomplished if you can't see everybody's point of view and come from all sides. Uh, I mean, right. it, it just can't. So um, you do a lot of work outside of acting, though. Uh, animal rights. And I, I'm really curious about the mythic storytelling. I, th- I, I'm, I, I have to ask about that. But let's talk about animal rights first. Um, because that, that's a passion and, and I mean, animals, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I know in our area alone, it's a big problem here, uh, abused animals and, and, um, dog fighting rings and just, uh, overpopulation of animals. Um, it, it, it's a big problem right now facing a lot of areas in our country, I think. So I commend you for your work on that. And let's talk about that a little bit and how you got involved in that. Right. I, well, I grew up. So in the middle of nowhere, like Clarksville, Tennessee, outside of Nashville. And so I, you know, to my mother's chagrin, have always been rescuing animals. I think that's just <laughs> a natural instinct, which is probably me trying to rescue some innocent part of myself. Right. If you're, we're making it a metaphor. Um, but yeah, I think there's a just, um, this sounds awful, but there's a, 
animals can't grow up and speak and then fight for themselves. You know, there's such a pure, raw innocence about animals. And I think that uh, I have always had rescue animals. And it's just it's just a part of me that I can't really explain. I just will always want to have outreach when it comes to that. So it's it's the same with I really advocate for and I would never like attack like I have a cousin who raises um you know she raises uh why can I not think right now not mixed dogs what <laughs> full breed Yes, thank yes. you. She raised <laughs> sure. a purebred dog. See, I don't even want to acknowledge it exists. No. <laughs> um, so I'm denying it's a thing. Um, so she raises purebreds, and um, so I'm not. I would never like attack her about that. But for me, I'm. I'm like, there's so many. There's so many stray animals in the world that need homes. So that that's my biggest thing that I advocate for. It's just like don't buy an animal when when there's so many that need homes yes and so there's so much healthier when they come out like a they, pure really breed. Are, they really are they don't have then you don't have to go through all this system of getting all these crazy medications because you know they're mutts just yeah. get a mutt yep and they just give you just as much love as any exactly. any dog out there they give exactly. you yeah well said. i could be right on that yeah Okay, so mythic storytelling. I'll be I'll be honest, I have no idea. What what is mythic storytelling? Well, that came about cuz I had an amazing amazing teacher who introduced me to Joseph Campbell years and years and years ago. And um Joseph Campbell studied um comparative religion and comparative mythology, which is pretty much the, you know, the myths and the stories that exist in cultures all around the world. Right. So pretty much if you study the myths of all cultures, it's sort of like, um, you know, like if you understand the Bible, you can understand a lot of like um, the storytelling. A lot of like our storytelling in America comes from the myth of the Bible. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying, you know, people that believe in the Bible that that's, that's not true. I'm saying myth as a story. It's like right. myth pretty much just means storytelling. Right. So, um and the same with if you, like, study the Shadameh, which is, like, the Iranian version. Um, you can understand the Iranian culture so much better. So if you get to the foundation of where our, all of our stories come from, you can kind of – you can pick up a script at any time and you can trace it back to a really old myth, to a really old story. The idea is that there are no new stories, they're all just the recycling um, of these old myths that we've had or these old archetypes. So I just got obsessed with studying myths throughout the whole world because in all like every culture and myth has the, you know, an Adam and Eve story. And what does it look like in every in different cultures? What does that Adam and Eve story look like? Because it also it creates this idea that we're all interconnected. Like mm-hmm. I think we all want to think like we're the only ones with this story of Adam and Eve and nobody else has it and we're so unique in that way. Which is is beautiful on the one hand, but it's so it's so much more fun for me, especially as an empathetic storyteller, to be like Look at how, you know, interconnected we are when we go and study myth in this culture that we think is so separate from us. And and how can I connect it? Because ultimately, I think that's what creativity is. It It's c- connecting things that are seemingly unrelated. So, yeah, it just it 
made my art so much better when I started to study all these myths. And then it's the same with, you know, comparative religion. You think that, that all religions are so different from one another. And then you read the, their stories and it's like, Oh, this story relates to this one. It's just the names are different. Right. And again, that's never throwing the sacredness of anyone's religion under the bus, like saying yours is just like this because you know, the practices and the rituals are different, but to see similarity in what is inherently, you know, or seemingly different is so fascinating to me. I bet. And, and I, I, I guess the overall theme there is, and, and I, I love the, the approach that you took to it is humanity. I mean, while, while there are many different cultures and many different aspects to how people live and where they cut, we, if you really sit down and look at it, have so much more in common and are so much more alike than, than we want to admit that we are. And maybe that's, that's part of the problem. Maybe if we all just sat down and realized for a minute like you just said, you know, you might think it's we're this way and nobody else is, but in reality, we're all way more uh, alike than we than we think. So I, I love that. I, I mean, wow, you're a fascinating individual. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's a huge compliment. Uh, no, absolutely a, a compliment. I, I just I love your approach and the way that the way you've not only chased your career but the way you continuously, obviously a very educated individual, and you continue to to grow and educate yourself and in different ways. I mean, much respect for that. I really have a lot of respect for people who who never reach that plateau, who always feel like they have to better themselves and, and learn something new and look at things a different way. And you definitely seem to be one of those people. So yeah, that's wow. What an interesting conversation. Like, yeah. honestly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for navigating it. No, <laughs> well, you know, I try. <laughs> it's much easier when we have guests who actually talk. So yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when you have a thing and you, you have this thing that you're so excited about and you're like, I don't know how to, take it out of the ether and put it into words and give it to people. Right. So you were great at that. You were yeah. great at facilitating that. So I well, appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So, definitely. Um, all right. Well, let's kind of wrap up a little bit for for the people who are uh, obviously we can see you on uh, NCIS New Orleans right now. Um, so we want to kind of first of all let everybody know where they can find you, and then we always like to kind of wrap up with what advice would you give to people trying to get in the industry? Maybe either advice that you would do, or maybe pitfalls to try to avoid for people trying to get into the industry. I would say, I mean, first and foremost is train and train and train mm -hmm. and find what keeps your soul alive. That's, you know, and what keeps your soul alive for you, not what somebody is telling you is going to keep your soul alive. Right. I think uh, so find ways to get quiet and listen to what you have to say to the world and, and don't go, you know, through your art and through your world asking what other people want from you instead be like asking what you want to give to the world so that's always i wish i would have learned that way earlier was awesome. to um root myself deeper in what i wanted to be and give and and trust that and not be swayed by the outside noise um and then it, the, yeah that goes with you know what not to do is is be swayed by so much it's so easy especially in LA to be swayed by other people's ideas mm -hmm. but uh, there is a part of every person that knows 
what to do. There is this quiet part. And I think have a practice, have some kind of practice that removes you, whether that's meditation or prayer or, or exercise or dance or yelling at a wall. I don't care. <laughs> have some kind of practice that removes you um, from the world and takes you back into yourself. I think that those are the things that have saved me. Awesome. Yeah, that's solid advice from start to finish. I just, yeah, really, really uh, great stuff. Um, Thank you for that. Uh, okay, so NC, like I said, NCIS New Orleans, and we're going to make sure everybody checks out Pretext because, like I said, I just think that's a really important message and uh, the bravery to make it, first of all, and put it out there. And so I hope we can direct a lot of people to see that. Um, and where else, what you got coming up in the future? Well, I do have this movie that I'm shooting this week that I can't, I don't, they just approved for me to get the script. So I, uh, I, I can't say anything about that yet, but you know, it's always best to go on IMDb because that, uh, that updates everything that mm -hmm. I can kind of, uh, release. And then I usually keep my Instagram pretty up to date. That's the only social media that I use. Um, and that's just, uh, Christina Elizabeth Smith is my Instagram. Okay. So if you ever want to snoop on that go right ahead we will direct um, everybody to snoop don't worry <laughs> yeah <laughs> come and snoop <laughs> that's fine uh, and definitely when you have more stuff coming out about that movie you can definitely come back on the show open invite really absolutely awesome yeah you guys are amazing i really appreciate all your really you know great questions and keeping me on track <laughs> <laughs> well thank you and thank you for the compliments and we look forward to having you back on when like jayla said you could talk about that movie <laughs> yeah exactly awesome well listen you have a great day uh, you said you're in new orleans right now are you getting all the rain we're getting yes yeah right. i like it it's peaceful yeah i can't complain yeah we're just down the road from you right now we're over in biloxi so yeah Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're dealing with that as well. But <laughs> well, I had to go. Yeah, I had to go to Pensacola yesterday the, the other day, and right? freaking trying to cold rain. Oh, yeah. oh, well, enjoy the quiet of New Orleans and the peaceful of the rain, and uh, have a great rest of the day. And uh, we will definitely be in touch with you soon. We will tell everybody where to find you, and we look forward to having you back on real soon. All right, appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. All right, bye bye now. Bye. Wow. What a real person. I mean, she's just like down to earth and like, yeah, seriously. Like it is, right? Yeah. Like, and trying everything in the industry. Why limit yourself to just one thing? Right. And, and I mean, again, we hear, you know, when she says it took years and it, mm -hmm. but she wasn't defeated. She said, exactly. What can I learn? How can I learn this or exactly. do this and do that and then get in a door? Exactly. She did whatever it took. And what I loved is she said, and while doing that, that means when I got through the door, mm -hmm. I knew what to do. Exactly. I mean, I, I, we hear that over and over and over. Yeah. Just get on a set, learn something, try something, and it will work. Exactly. And I mean, it, it's nice to hear. And wow, yeah, really, really just interesting how she approaches yeah. everything, though. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I like the um, once you outgrow the fishbowl thing, going back to the Lily Borden interview. Like, Absolutely. once you outgrow a room, it's time to move on. And I think it's important for people to know when that time is. Yeah. I think some people just don't get it. They get comfortable. They, they get comfortable. Yeah. And they're scared to go out of the fishbowl. Yeah, like, they are. Yeah, this is my comfort zone. But, yeah. And they never really 
Yeah. You know, you got to risk it. You got to risk it. And, and so, yeah, that's also a great point and yeah. nice to hear. You got to get out and live life. Yeah. yeah. And, and I commend her wholeheartedly on uh, her thoughts on the, on the me too. I thought she said yeah. it perfectly where there's got to be some middle ground. It, while you have to recognize all the awful that's going on, you yeah. have to also recognize there's some good people who exactly. are now terrified to just be to themselves even, like, yeah, because they might be misinterpreted. Just approach so. a woman for a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just so all right. Yeah, great, awesome. great conversation. Fantastic. All right, now it is time for our top five segment, and today we have a very special guest joining us, and here he is. Hello, is this Bob? Uh, Rob. 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 I mean, that would help That's... if I got Rob or Bob, right? It's been... Yeah. <laughs> it's Damn been... it, Dustin. It, it's been a long day, Rob. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. Oh, man. <laughs> well, li- so listen, okay, we're really excited about this because yes. uh, every week we do a segment on the show, uh, our top five favorites. That's right. And uh, this week, uh, for all everybody listening, the reason Rob is called in is because he's joining us on the top five uh, favorite segment this week, and it's for a very important reason, and <laughs> we're getting ready to tell you what our top five favorite segment is this week, and you're going to figure out real quick why, we're, why Rob is joining us. This week it mm-hmm. is... Top five favorite canceled shows that we would like to see back. So, are you are are you all set, Rob? Yes, I have my five shows figured out. Fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> so, okay. So, what we're gonna do? We're gonna go around. We're gonna save you for last because we I I have a feeling we know what one of your shows is, and yes. we're gonna talk about it. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, Tavia, if you would like to go first. Um. Yes. Uh. So I. I kind of had a little bit of trouble with this because some of the shows that I picked were brought back on different networks. So does right. that still count? Or is it's it just fine. shows that are yeah. gone for good? Just shows that are gone for good that haven't yeah. been brought back. Okay. Yet. All right. All right. All right. So one of mine is The Mick. I really liked that one. I thought yeah, Caitlin Wilson was great. Was good. And I, I was keeping up with that. I was really disappointed when that one was gone. I, I think also, I forgot that this happened, but Futurama. I forgot that Futurama yeah. was canceled instead yeah. of just yeah. ending. And yeah. so I, I, you know, I put that one on there. Um, Stole mine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also really liked Making History. I thought that was a really fun show, yeah. and I thought it had a lot of potential. And I didn't even know that it was necessarily just like canceled, and I wasn't sure what had happened to it. Um, Ash versus Evil Dead, which I know you'll probably disagree with me, Sound Man, <laughs> but I like that show. Damn it! Um, I, I love that show. What are you no, talking about? You didn't like it for some reason. No, no, I love that show. Oh, That's well, then, one I, of my then I guess you'll agree with me. She was ready. Yeah, yeah, like, she I was, was ready so to fight it. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sad um, about it's canceled. I know. I'm feisty today. Yeah. That's right. And then um, I've got to mention Scorpion, of course. Of course, yeah, of, course. of course, of course. So those are definitely Scorpion. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, JLo, what you got? All right, I got, of course, Scorpion. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Uh, Blue Mountain State from Spike. I really enjoyed that one. It was also on Netflix. That's where I watched it. And then they also did a uh, TV or they did a movie to kind of wrap everything up but it wasn't I wasn't okay with it it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> it was not good okay. it's not okay it okay. wasn't good uh, a recent one Alex Insync are incorporated yeah. it's that one with, with uh, Zach uh, Braff yeah, yeah. Oh. And where he I leaves. never got to watch it it was, it was good. pretty good <laughs> That's uh, it got cancelled so quick Tavia yeah. didn't even get it to really watch did. it it really did that was fast I, I watched true. a few episodes but it didn't I liked me it. at all <laughs> I liked it basically a corporate guy leaving corporate America and starting his own podcast about like family life and sure. just living through the day um, Freaks and Geeks I really Ooh, enjoyed yeah. Freaks oh, yeah. and Geeks, Geeks. Yeah. 
Uh, watch, I heard that's pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Um, the Last Tycoon. Oh, my goodness. Yes, The Last Tycoon. Yes. Ah, so good. I really want that one back. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was it. That's my top five. All right. Yeah. All right. Chris, what you got? Well, first one would be Vulture. Vulture. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I really liked uh, My Name is Earl and Memphis Beach. Both oh, great Jason Lee yeah. shows. Both got canceled. I forgot way that that one was canceled, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like these didn't just end; they were canceled. <laughs> I didn't <What>? know. <laughs> um, in the real more campy side, I kind of had three that kind of got stuck at tide. It was uh, Warehouse Thirteen, Pushing Daisies, and Better Off Ted. Oh, well, oh. yeah, P- Pushing Daisies. I loved it. Oh, yeah. I thought so it was cool. so underrated. That was yeah. like a brilliant show. That was a good show. I- agreed. It was wholeheartedly. Um, then the nerd is a Firefly. Okay. Oh. Yeah. You know, I've heard so much good things about that, but that I know that it doesn't end well because it got canceled. It makes me not want to watch it because yeah, like, I'm like, I know go, I'm just going to get broken. You get to have a movie-ish broken. in yeah. hell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, see the yeah. But Firefly, it's the series itself was, yeah, yeah. fantastic. I've heard that it's amazing, yeah. All right, so here we go. Here's mine. Uh, no Ordinary Family. Mm. I just, I feel so bad because Greg Berlanti hit it, but just a couple a couple years too early, yeah. I think it'd be a huge hit right now. So he should just bring it back. Come on, Berlanti. <laughs> you're doing great with superhero shows. Bring it back. Uh, and then I'm going to go on an Aaron Sorkin kick. I want the Newsroom and Sports Night both oh, back. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, neither one of them should be gone. They should both be back. They were both brilliant. Um, person of interest. I was nice. a huge fan of person of interest, and I, I just I didn't that like the my way interest. They... I was really interested yeah. in that. Yeah. 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 And you were a person. Uh, a person, yeah. a person a of person. interest. That's right. I said it's been a long day, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did though. I didn't like the way they kind of like they found out they were going to be canceled and yeah. quickly tried to wrap it up. And I just I was not happy with yeah. that. That I never makes know. for a good no, ending. No. no, and I just I'd like to see that one back. And of course, Scorpion. Scorpion. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think we can all agree Scorpion needs to come back. Yes. All yeah, right, I Rob. Yeah, you know, note I got Rob correct this time. Rob, so proud. Yes, R O B. You you have to understand I'm a gaffer. If you listen to the show, you know I, I just I have these mind freezes or brain gaps every now and then. Rob, he was yeah. born in about 1902, so you just gonna have to forgive him. Exactly. He wow. saw the Titanic being yeah, built. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Rob, I'm ready to hear your five, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I have my five ready. The two, the first two have been canceled years ago, but I've always wanted them to come back. Here they are. Kyle XY. Okay. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was on ABC Family. Yep. Have you heard yeah. that one? Oh, yeah. I remember that sure. one, yeah. yeah. I forgot yeah, about that. That one. ended with a bunch of unresolved cliffhangers. Yeah. Yeah. The other show that was canceled years ago, but I've always wanted to come back, was Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, awesome. that was a good one. Josh Duhamel, James Scott. Yeah, yeah. Forgot about that one, too. <laughs> yeah, it was a really fun show. Yeah, that was a really good show. The next two were both Netflix and a lot more recent, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Oh, oh yeah. man. We are all in agreement with you. So, okay, so your opinion. <laughs> do you think this was intentional to set up a Heroes for Hire, or do you think it's a more broad plan because of Disney with their streaming service? What's your thoughts about why you think it got canceled? Yeah. <clears throat> I definitely agree with you with the, the Heroes for Hire because with the this might be a spoiler for Luke Cage season two if you haven't seen it, but there was an episode where he and Danny teamed up and they have really good chemistry together. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and they kind of hinted throughout Luke Cage the whole season about making the joke that he should be making money for his powers and for saving Yeah. Him. They kind of hinted Fire. at the Heroes for Hire the whole season, so I'm hoping that's what it is and I hope that that comes back in that sort of a, a thing. We'll see. 
But I definitely, we all agree with you there. We we completely agree they should come back. And I yeah. bet we all know what your next one is. I think we all know. Want to take a guess? Uh, sure. Is it Scorpion? <laughs> ding 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 ding. Hey, there we go. <laughs> so okay. So the reason that we had you on because uh, we too are huge Scorpion fans, and you know, as you, I'm sure you're aware, we we talked to Riley B. Smith a couple weeks ago, and. Um, uh-huh. He was fantastic. We got to meet him out in L.A. last week, and that that was so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this show it was it was mind boggling that it got canceled. It was still doing great in the ratings. Yeah. It had a huge following of fans. It was big mm-hmm. international, and so the sudden just boom, it's done, gone. Exactly. I think it kind of took everybody by surprise, and uh-huh. I, I think it was a huge disservice by cbs to do it well yeah just listening to riley talking about it like he said that he just woke up and then saw the headline like he didn't (laughs) even the cast didn't even know that's exactly how i found out i was in bed after waking up yeah i was looking at instagram i saw elias cabell's posts that was canceled yeah on google yeah well you found out the same way riley did apparently so that i mean that's not good your 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 own cast member doesn't even know and i mean i feel like so Let's talk about it. You guys, you're part of this massive groundswell of social media support for the show. Uh, hashtag Save Scorpion. Yes. And you guys are on just like this incredible mission to get someone out there, Netflix or one of the streaming services to, or even CBS or whoever, to bring back the show, for, at least for a season. We were talking to Riley about this a little bit. At least for a season or six episodes or something to wrap, wrap up the show up, properly yeah. for the fans. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about it. Like, how did you get involved with the Save Scorpion campaign, and where did it all kind of start? And how's it going? Are you getting a lot of positive feedback? Um, have you been able to reach out to any of the networks or the streaming services? And kind of walk us through a little bit about what you guys are doing. Well, a day or two after I found out, actually the same day. I saw a couple of petitions online to hashtag Save Scorpion. So I put my signature on all of them, and I discovered the whole hashtag Save Scorpion on Twitter. And I've been very active with it ever since. And how's it how's it going? I mean, we can just, I mean, from what we've seen on social media, it's a huge following. And I mean, um, is there a particular one that you guys are trying to reach out to, like Netflix? Or, or is there someone that you guys are, are a, you feel like you have a better shot with? Um, to try to get this brought back, or what? What's the focus on what you guys are trying to do for to bring it back? Um, I think Netflix is the main alternative uh, yeah. network to have Scorpion on. Since yeah. CBS is no longer interested in making more episodes. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And and so what? How do you do? You think like would you like to see it come back for more than one season, or would you be okay if they brought it back just to kind of resolve everything? Well, personally, I would prefer to have more than one season because the show has always had unlimited potential. Yeah. But after all the time we spent trying to bring Scorpion back, I would be happy just to have a proper ending, even if it's just a hour and a half TV movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I think the fans deserve it. You guys have been just absolutely outstanding. Uh, <laughs> and best of luck. Uh, we're going to continue to support the Save Scorpion yeah. campaign all over um, social media, all over <laughs> social media, and we're going to do our best to help get the message out there and maybe get Netflix's attention and see what we can do about you know bringing it back. Because we're like you, man. Even if it's just for a t- for a, um, a quick TV movie to wrap exactly. it up, uh, uh, we we think the fans deserve that. We think the cast deserves that. I think they got a raw deal too. 
Um, and so, yeah, we're all about the Save Scorpion campaign. So we will continue to tell everybody. And uh, listen, man, thanks so much for joining us on the segment and yeah, uh, talking uh, about it. And thank, yeah, you, thank for, you for having me. Yo, absolutely, man. And and like I said, best of luck. We'll continue to help out any way that we can. And uh, we look forward to hopefully having you back on when they bring it back. That exactly. would be awesome if we could bring you back on because the campaign was successful. So yeah. let's hope that happens and, and, and we can make yeah, that definitely. work. Yeah, I would be happy to do that. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, listen, take care and have a great rest of the day, okay? You too. Thank you again. All right. <laughs> Word of the day? Word of the day? Word of the day. day, Word of the day. Juicer. 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 It's like some the, sort like of a the joke machine? towards like, my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like memory problem. Yeah. Like, if you drink more yeah. natural juice, yeah. like a, <laughs> you should try that shit. No, right. it's not a kitchen appliance uh, or a steroid head at the gym. Okay. Right. okay. This is more referring to the electrician on a set would be the juicer. Ah, okay. Because without electricity or without proper electricity, you can't do anything on a set. You got yeah. no juice. Exactly. No, no, no juice. lighting, no camera, no, no nothing, no sound. No, nothing's going to be recording right. without that person. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so juicer. Now, does juicer. the juicer is he actually the guy that you see over at the wall and he like throws the switch because he like does the juice right? Like, yeah, sets it all up and then like. I don't think he's juice. bringing Frankenstein back. To yeah, that's oh. damn. Like, oh, it's like it's one alive. big switch. It's like uh, I don't think any electrician wants everything through one, just switch. one yeah. switch. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, but it worked out so well for Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. Epic as it may be, I don't think it's very practical. <laughs> oh the hum alone would just be enormous. Every movie you just insane. hear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's yeah. my favorite. But that's my favorite part of a movie. <laughs> the hum? Is the oh, awkward yeah. sound. Uh, mm. at the hum. Oh, that's why you like the paranoid activity movies. That's oh, right. there's oh. that low end hum in there. I'm punching the face. <laughs> <laughs> she is really feisty today. So anyway, I just part don't of that, that missing soul. That's apparently. just where I go. But I don't know what else to say. Don't back me to the corner, man. <laughs> it's all right. I don't like Sabrina. I'm gonna punch you in the face. That's <laughs> right. I mean, just any time now. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I think. <laughs> all right. Okay. Box office. Oh man, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, Fantastic Beasts, the sequel. That movie's coming out yeah. uh, with the uh, Johnny Depp in it. He is not. Does not have cancer. He was just doing a role. Johnny Depp looks pale as shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that normal? It's like, what? Is it's it like, where do we go normal? with that? It, it, he's pretty pale. I mean, he's pretty pale. He does pale. typically look kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. to be honest. I mean, I mean yeah. since 21 Jump Street, he's just kind of yeah, like progressively getting kind of. Okay. Yeah. But, anyway. But the kind of. Wait, 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 wait. He's gotten kind of weird. That's I what mean, I said. Since 21 Jump no, Street, it's well, kind of progressively gone downhill. Okay. Well, another new. Okay. Uh, Other new movies that are coming out: Instant Family. I haven't seen any trailers or promotions I about this. I, I have. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg. And, yeah. Yeah. And Rose Byrne. Okay. It's, um, yeah. it's yep. the couple that they went to go get a foster or adopt a kid, mm-hmm. and instead of just getting a kid, they got three because they're all one family. Well, they're they, all from right. one uh, one family. So nice, so. good, happy, feel good. Yeah, 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 they basically didn't uh, want to separate these kids, and yeah. they, so they took them all. I mean, kind of, perfect time. I mean, the holidays, that's where you want yeah, to that's where it. Is, exactly. It is. They're releasing it uh, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah. So that's the perfect time exactly. for a family movie. Yeah. Like, exactly. You know. and, and also, I, I mean, uh, on, Wahlberg's been, he's been hitting he, it with these has. holiday films lately, yeah. right? Like, so. I mean, yeah, Daddy's Home. Yeah, yeah. Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home, too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, Widows is also coming out this week. That one looks badass. Yeah, it does. Uh, Sounds creepy. Is it creepy? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Oh. It's about, it's basically these women 
who their husbands are not able to support them anymore, or they don't have husbands to help support them, and then they just like rob a bank or uh, rob well, something. Well, yeah, ah. yeah. Apparently, their their husbands were like some seedy characters, and ah. they were Liam Neeson's in it. Yeah, yeah. Liam Neeson plays uh, yeah. Viola Davis's husband. Yeah. Um. And uh, Michelle Rodriguez, it's like an insane oh, female yeah, cast. Yeah, it's a great yeah, cast. Like cast. And it has is, an yeah. awesome score so far. Like the meta score is 87. Yeah, damn. And so, but basically, nice. I think they were supposed to do a job for like this criminal organization. Yeah. And they all got killed. Yeah. They, they, they messed it up. They didn't do something. So the criminal organization like kills all the husbands. Yeah. And so these women, now widows, decide, uh, you know, they're gonna punch them in the face. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, punch them so in the face. They basically decide that they're gonna go steal this these people's money yeah. as a way to take care of themselves for what they did to their husbands, yeah. kind of thing. But so then, of course, obviously the criminal organization's not gonna like that, yeah. and they kind of figure badass out badass premise. So yeah, like, it's an awesome premise. But and the, it has Liam Neeson in it. And it has yeah, Liam, and Neeson. It has Liam Neeson. It has Liam Neeson. He's got a particular yeah, awesome. set of skills that apparently didn't do him any good yeah. in this film because yeah. he died. Yeah. Not but, in this uh, one. <laughs> maybe Viola has those particular set of exactly. skills in this film. Yeah. So, and um, I mean, movies that are still out this week: A Star Is Born. Halloween, The Hate You Give, The Grinch, Bohemian Rhapsody, Overlord, Overlord, which uh, Billy Ray, yeah, uh, yeah. talked to him on the show. Guest he was, yeah, and then the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Darn right. Make sure you go back and listen to Billy Ray's interview. Yes. Uh, subscribe, like, and listen to the podcast yep. um, because he tells you all about Overlord and mm-hmm. how it kind of all came about. And yep. like, no, I know just, that one's creepy. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that, that one's one. creepy. Yeah. Uh, great interview though. Great interview. And then um, I got really excited though. When did you see? Um, first of all, I saw the Hate You Give recently. Oh my gosh, phenomenal. If you guys mm. haven't seen it yet, see it. Do yourself a favor and watch it. It's brilliant. Um, cast is brilliant. Everything great. And uh, we talked about that in Industry News. The screenwriter passed away yeah. literally like the day before the movie opened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, but she just brilliant script and a great movie. But what I was, uh, was going to say is, um, and we can kind of transition it to the music segment. Um, I haven't even given my predictions yet. No, no. But I'm saying just after. <laughs> okay. But um, I saw that uh, if. If in if. the event that if. Shallows gets nominated as best song, yeah. best original song for the Oscars, um, they have decided. Lady Gaga and uh, Bradley Cooper have both said we absolutely will come on and do the performance of Shallows, hey. and they're working on an awesome. outside of the box, unorthodox performance that Bradley's already working on. Oh. So not only well, will Lady they come Gaga, on and sing it, can't it together, be conventional, yeah, in but any way. they're gonna do some sort of kind yeah, of awesome. So epic. I'm like, if the Academy is listening, nominate the damn song yeah, so we can exactly. see the. In- First of all, it deserves to be nominated, yeah. and it probably deserves a win in hey, my honestly. opinion. But then to see them perform it together in some kind of I mean, like epic performance, just let them do it no matter what, exactly. whether they get nominated yeah. or right. not. People are gonna love it. If it's not. Bradley and Lady Gaga will be outside of the Academy uh, yeah, performing, performing it. You know? it. And then nobody and, uh, will be watching the show. They'll be watching them. Exactly. It's, it's, One other thing about the Oscars, Stan Lee needs to have the ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got to be the last one yeah. in In Memoriam. Yeah, it's got to be like to. the one they end on the where it just, goes out. Yeah. And how like perfect is that? Because like also for this year for the Oscars, it's all uh, going to be a celebration of John Williams' music, mm-hmm. who has some of the most epic oh, superhero yeah, scores. Yeah. I mean, Superman yeah. of all. So to have the John Williams and the Superman score and all that kind of like awesomeness, and then Stanley and the In Memoriam. Oh, it's going to be amazing. So, yeah. get we'll your see. tissues ready. 
Seriously. Yep. Seriously. Yep. She's ready. Uh, but number one this week, I think, will be Fantastic Beast, that sequel movie. Um, with Pale Johnny. Yeah, with Pale Johnny <laughs> Depp. Uh, with around 60 no to cancer, 70 million. No number two, I think, is going to be The Grinch, which was number one last week. Yep. It had like 65 or something million yeah. last Benedict. week. I saw some trailers. It looked pretty fun. Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch. Yeah. 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 I, I think uh, number two with around 20 to 30, or 25 to 30 million. Uh, number three, Bohemian Rhapsody. Still need to see mm. this one. Me yes. Oh, oh man. Uh fifth I think it's going to be number 3 with around 15 to 23 million. Number 4 Instant Family with around 15 to 20 million and number 5 Widows with around 10 to 15 million. Mm. Yeah. So I mean we mm. shall see. We shall see. I just got to say that Pale Johnny sounds like the name of like some seedy character in town. Like, oh, go see Pale Johnny. He's go got see what you Pale need. Johnny. Like, it just sounds... Pale Johnny might got you the prescription you need. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought sounds... it sounded like the name of a Clint Eastwood spaghetti western that I had missed back in the 70s. <laughs> Pale Johnny. <laughs> Pale Johnny. I could see Pale Johnny with like a trench coat and like opens it up what you need. What you oh, no. Need. That, <laughs> that, that's what the man with no name's real name right. is. Pale Johnny. Pale Johnny. <laughs> Pale Johnny and uh, Charlie Sheen yelling, winning! Yeah. Winning, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he's like yeah. that's the good I, guy. You know what I would love? I would love to see a team up movie of Pale Johnny and Harry Mike. Oh my god! Oh my god! That would be epic. Oh yeah, man! Yeah. He opens up what you need, what you need, yeah, well, and like like Harry Mike needs some more bedazzle. Uh, so like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know. Story's coming soon. So Story's coming, coming soon. soon. I'm not writing that. One. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, don't worry, guys. <laughs> All right, transitioning into the music, Billboard chart toppers number one this week, Ariana Grande. Grande's are on the Hot 100. Number one this week is Ariana Grande's Thank You, Next. This is the first one, or this is the first week that it is number one. This is the song that's basically saying that fuck everybody else, fuck every relationships yep. I've ever been in, I'm going to be okay with myself. Yep. And yeah. so hopefully just she just starts to work on herself and not try to rush back into a relationship because... Always it, a good it, idea. Yeah. yeah. No that's the best idea. I mean, you can't have a successful relationship unless you're okay with yourself. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Exactly. So it's, yeah. I just thought the funny thing was she released this song like when Pete Davidson was on his Saturday night sketch. Yeah. So she released About it at her. the same time. So, yeah. yeah. Hey. So that's pretty hey, funny. Will you marry me? Oh, that makes two. Yeah. <laughs> Get this. <laughs> and then the top 200 albums this week not all heroes wear capes metro boomin he's coming out of atlanta he's only 23 and he's he has a pretty big following pretty big huge producer base so that's pretty awesome for such a young person to have a top 200 album hell yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a and compilation album with like everybody else but yeah you know. but the title is fitting yeah i mean uh, you couldn't have a betterly titled Betterly, God, I really ate. Betterly, tiled, like, you know, butter coated that shit. Butter coated. That's right. Oh. <laughs> that's what happens when you give up coffee. Yeah. See, yes, that is that's such a problem. You are so right. What I was going to say is, it couldn't not have been a better titled number one album. You know, hero doesn't need cape with. Stanley passing. Stanley, yeah. You know, it's like fitting. That, yeah. yeah, very much so. Yeah. And then honorable mention, I just wanted to mention, uh, Nicki Minaj is the first ever female in history to have 100 entries, 100 entries on the Hot 100. Oh. It's pretty epic. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, bravo to What her. does Cardi B think of that? No. Yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> Shoes flying. Oh, yeah. like, I don't know. She apparently was shaking oh, yeah. her junk like, oh, all over goodness. the place on something oh, the other goodness, day. Goodness, goodness <laughs> well, anyway, guys, thank you for listening. It is awesome to be back. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, all that good stuff. Like it, rate it. 
Give us a comment down below, all that good stuff. Follow us everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, all that good shit. Facebook, Crazy Ant Film Company. Twitter, Crazy Ant Films. Instagram, Crazy underscore Ant underscore Films. And we have a website, crazyantfilms.com. And I also just started a review segment podcast called Fantastic Reviews. Go find that anywhere and everywhere. Thank you very much. <laughs> a shameless plug. And we have one more thing. Oh, oh God! God!